When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Hello, folks. Welcome into the show. Great start from it's Ben touch Francis. Gloves. Touch gloves, Grant. Great start. I touch Ben's gloves, but he's in a different city. Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire, is here. He Grant is. Elliott is here. My I, name is Daniel McCarty. Welcome aboard the Saturday session. Did so I get you earlier than you? N- technically, no, but by your standards, you'll probably claim it. I did get you a coffee, though. Yeah, you did. You a coffee. You did. Back by popular demand. I've had a few people saying, where are your coffee stories? I thought I had to kill them. I just thought t- things were tight in the Elliott household. <laughs> well, that's always the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, friend. Good to see you, Ben. Good to see you. Well, we can't see them, but we welcome everyone uh, with warmth. Because it is uh, another hot sporting weekend, isn't it, Grant? Well, I'm actually nervous because we get into that territory again of trans-Tasman rivalry. Ah. Because you know tonight, uh, you're obviously aware of it, maybe our listeners are not, but we're actually going to be commentating the whole game, you and I together, which will be heated. There's going to be a lot of steam in our wardrobe here. Um, Well, we got through the last World Cup all right, didn't we? We did, but we had the Australians. You know, we would have a little break and then we'd have... That was the Chapel Hadley. Chapel Hadley. Yeah. We'd have a little bit of abuse. Um, But then tonight, we've got Australia and New Zealand in the T20 World Cup opening game for New Zealand. Yeah, they didn't want us... For part of the Australian commentary team. So so we're in our own silo. So oh, did they not want so, us? A, no, that was a joke. <laughs> so we've got a, a, a solely focused New Zealand commentary team. Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott uh, will be with you from 7.30 tonight. We right? should get really biased. We should get really Australian-like <laughs> Absolutely. in our commentary. We're going to knife all of them. N- now we're not working with our Australian brethren. So that's just what, you know one aspect of a huge weekend, Grant. I- I've listed a few and I've probably forgotten a lot. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, from you on 0800 of course. That is our number. The text line is 8833. We invite you to join us, uh, not only now, but throughout the program. Go on. Uh, welcome into the show. Lots happening, as I say. The uh, Women's Rugby World Cup, the Rugby League World Cup, and the T20 World Cups are in full swing with New Zealand teams. Uh, all in action this weekend. Live commentary right here on SCNZ of the New Zealand-Australia T20 game tonight. It's a huge day in racing with the Cox Plate. And the Good Oil have a monster extended show for you after we depart at 1 o'clock. We've got the Constellation Cup decider grant. Uh, the two great rivals of international netball, the Silver Ferns and the Aussie Diamonds, go at it again. Fourth and final game of the series. Anyone who heard me on with Smithy, uh, not, not with Rick Dog on Smithy's show yesterday, I uh, know how I feel about the fact that this is a four-game 
series that could finish up at two apiece and will be decided by goal difference. Oh, are you cheating on us during the week? Absolute nonsense. Uh, anyway, let's be positive, Grant. Uh, we've got some 800 dignitaries lined up to meet in Auckland tonight. I'm not sure if Ben Francis got an, an invite to that. He's generally, uh, you know, like, likes to hang out with the, the highfalutin people of, of Auckland. But um, no, you're not going to the FIFA event, Ben? I don't you live in Auckland, thank you very much. I do not live in Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> not that you've ever reminded us of that over the years. So you're not going to the uh, official draw of the Women's FIFA World Cup. Of course, that's our tournament to be hosted in New Zealand and Australia in July and August next year. Uh, we'll find out who the football firms will get and we'll find out all the pools uh, once that's uh, completed. And uh, close at home, uh, well, around the country rather, uh, day of finals rugby grant mm. in our domestic rugby competition. We have been quite remiss in our coverage of the Heartland Championship considering the high standards we set in 2021. We did, yeah. yeah we, we've missed out quite a lot yeah. on that. Yeah, I'd so. love the Heartland Championship. Well, we've got you covered. We'll cover off both the uh, finals, Meads Cup and Lahore Cup. Meads Cup, of course, South Canterbury against Whanganui. Just one loss combined between those two sides this year. Clearly the best team, South Canterbury and Whanganui. South Canterbury actually inflicted uh, the only loss um, well, funnily enough, to Wanganui in Wanganui, and it was just six points. So Kevin here previews those uh, finals for us because the Lahore Cup has East Coast up against Mid-Canterbury. Uh, he'll join us about quarter past 12. And uh, the uh, Bunnings NPC final, nice. I'd have heard. Well, you, you have to condition me out of this because every time I hear the word Canterbury in rugby, so that's in, you know, even South Canterbury, I go, oh, well, they'll win. <laughs> then you hear Canterbury versus, you know, the mighty Wellington, and I really... I saw your tweet earlier. You went, it's a great day in Wellington. And, you yeah, know what that means, Cantabrians. Yeah, I'm afraid Canterbury has dawned a majestic day in the Riviera of the South Pacific, and we all know what that means. It means, does that mean that we're winning? I'm not going to say it out loud, though, because I believe in tempting fate when, you t- when your side has lost eight straight finals. But it could be a monster weekend for Canterbury. South Canterbury, mid-Canterbury, and Canterbury could all claim titles. Uh, we will um, reflect uh, uh, on... A previous meeting between Wellington and Canterbury in an MPC final uh, in our Legends segment. Uh, arguably the best ever MPC final occurred in Christchurch between Canterbury and Wellington in 2000. Canterbury um, lost that day. They've won a few titles since, so I'm not going to worry too much about Canterbury. They've had their moment in the sun uh, a lot in the years since, but unfortunately um, Wellington have only won how many since? Well, zero. Zero. They have yet to claim two tw- years. 22 long years. How's this, Grant? Uh, since that uh, victory, 34-29 in 2000, uh, they lost to Canterbury in, 20, uh, in 2003, Canterbury, Auckland in 2003, Canterbury in 2004, Waikato in 2006, Welling- uh, Auckland in 2007, and then Canterbury, Canterbury, Canterbury in 2008, 9 and 13, and then lost to Tasman in 2019. Wellington, this extraordinary record of... Zero and eight in finals since. You know what that means. What kind of... (laughs) You know what? It's kind of what Wellington's about. The lovable loser. No, that means... Always the bridesmaid. That means we're due. We're due tonight. No, I don't... Why are we due? I reckon that... Oh, and eight. I read that what they did was they they watched that 2000 NPC final, uh, the team. And it sounds like Wellington... Obviously, they've won nine in a row. And... It sounds like, as a team, they spend a lot of time off the park as well. Which yes, I'm they a do. They get along of. very well. So I actually think if there's ever a chance, surely. Yeah, but Canterbury are hosting the final. Canterbury thumped Wellington earlier this year. And you look at the Canterbury side, they're very good. 
You look at that bench, which I think could be the deciding factor in the game itself. Uh, yeah, I, I, mate, I think it's death by a thousand cuts, or in this case, death by eight cuts. Oh, and oh, and nine. Well, I, I think another round of being the bridesmaid for Wellington. I also Is that where I'm going. Well, you might have to wait to our sporting tips you run a mile from. But our legend uh, will be Jason Spice, the lovable halfback from that uh, Wellington side in 2000, who shares some stories of that campaign, that final, the night out. I wonder how much Wellington apparel they wore on the streets of Christchurch after winning that final. Did you punish someone with uh, your conversation? Whose eardrum did you make bleed after after a game? Or was it a super final or something? Yeah. So I'd like to know um, how the respective fan bases are feeling. Canterbury, you must be. It's only Wellington, Canterbury must be thinking. Well, they're I mean, like, it's another this final. Is, this is signed, sealed, delivered. Wellington don't win these games. We do. Yeah, Canterbury fans, let us know 0800-150-811 and Wellington fans, feel free to join in and uh, tell us your state of mind. Um, forever the bridesmaids, aren't they? Well, who, who else is always the bridesmaid in your sporting world, listener? The Black Caps. Really? Well, it has to be, doesn't it? We made the semi-finals and World Cups, almost every World Cup, and then we started making the final and then just never quite got over the line. We're always they haven't the lost eight finals, though, have they? So well, two, I can think of three just off the top of my head which now. Which Or T20 World Cup recently, yep. then the 2019 and yeah. the 2016. What happened in the World Test Championship final? And we won that one. Yeah, 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 yeah we, did. we did. Start off with negativity. The mace. Grant. The mace. Did uh, I tell you I held the mace? I didn't when? tell you that. Oh, you can tell me that a little bit later. Get your hands yeah. out of your pants while you do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Who were your... Great stories of sporting bridesmaids in your sporting universe. You, you actually might have a club team who's lost more than eight finals in a row. I'd love to hear that. Um, if you've got a story, share it with us. 0800-150811. So the Black Caps, your nomination. Ben Francis, you got a nomination? He's looking, he's looking up and at the ceiling. He's thinking long and hard. I'm not sure if one's Is he thinking ed- the Warriors? edging its way to the tip of the tongue. No, it's not. Well, they've lost two grand finals. It's not the Warriors. It's another international sporting team. I don't have to go the Kiwis. Think of how many times they've probably lost in the World Cup final to Australia over the years. Yeah, just losing to Australia. Yeah, we've, we've done that a bit. We dine out in 2008, though, don't we? And rightly so. It was an epic day. Thinking of tennis player, there must have been a tennis player that was always kind of second. You know, during the Pete Sampras. At, like Andy Roddick, any time he played Roger Federer. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got, got uh, some stories and nominations for... Uh, you know, always the bridesmaid in sport. I know it's an old-fashioned term, but I can't think of a better way of drilling it down to one sentence. Uh, send in your nominations, double eight, double three, or pick up the phone, 0800 150 811. Can I Are t- you confident? Um, you am confident? I confident about Wellington winning yeah. this? Uh, well, I was thinking to myself, the question I want to ask Jason Spice, and we'll, we'll hear his answer later, is when you get to a final against Canterbury, do you change your game and try and go for the surprise factor, or do you just keep doing what you've been doing the whole season, which Canterbury will overanalyze that. They'll know what they're expecting. So do you mix it up and try something different, or do you just do more of the same? It is an interesting question, because if you actually look at the two sides, there are a lot of similarities. Yeah, uh, They manage games very well. Wellington kicked the ball a lot. Canterbury will rely on their pack and their decision makers at 9 and 10. A, dynamic, a bit more dynamic, uh, Wellington, I think. The capabilities... Yeah, but when they tried to play expansive early in the season, it didn't work. They got toweled by Canterbury. Yeah. And and when I was while I was in my shower thinking about this, oh, really? <laughs> I wasn't. Wow. I wasn't what a that, mental image! <laughs> I was thinking 
to beat Canterbury, you always have to go long in the game. You have to be, it's like the All Blacks. You have to compete for 60 minutes. And then it's, you know, you've got another 20 minutes to go to compete. It's those teams that, you know, hit that 60-minute mark and then fatigue. And then, you know, a couple of tries go through for Canterbury. Same as the All Blacks normally off the bench. Um, so can Wellington actually compete for that full 80 minutes? We will find out later tonight. Uh, get your thoughts coming through. Forever the bridesmaid in sport and uh, from those two respective fan bases. Um, how are you feeling? How do you see the game going? Uh, Michael writes, I'll be watching on Saturday night. The 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup draw come out. Um, and what games will be in Auckland, Hamilton, Wellington, and Dunedin? I do like that. There's people this far out excited for that huge tournament. It's going to be one of the biggest events on our shores uh, in a very long time. Uh, Adam, uh, Adam, rather. Uh, morning, boys. Gone the Canterbury treble. Canterbury 1-12. to South Canterbury 11-20. to Mid-Canterbury 1-12. to Do love the confidence there. Uh, although Richie does write, Daniel, look on the bright side of the Wellington results in the previous 21 years. I'd rather be kissing the bridesmaid. When you, you, you forgot <laughs> to read there, Michael said, go Wellington Lions in cricket, because obviously the Wellington Firebirds won by one wicket uh, just yesterday against Northern Districts in the start to the Plunkett Shield. He, he must be a good Wellington boy. Uh, Manu writes, definitely Andy Murray in tennis, but the best is France at Rugby World Cups. <laughs> oh, yeah, they've lost a few finals. That's a good shout, Manu. Uh, that's a very good shout. Um, yeah, uh, someone does write... Um, these are all men's teams. Maybe um, always the Bucks Knight, never the Stag, uh, and always the Groomsman, never the Groom. Very good point. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, a name texter. Put a name to that, mate, when, you, when you've got to shout that good. Uh, later this hour, um, I can think of no better person who will join us to preview the T20 World Cup uh, and look over the uh, leading contenders for the tournament than uh, the guy next to me, uh, Grant Elliott. Um, I'll throw some questions his way. One question I'd like to throw to you, Grant, now, and this is one f- we'd love to get the reaction of, of people listening to, Kane Williamson. A lot of, lot of column inches and time being spent on his form, his elbow. Can he get back to his best? Um, I think they're fair enough, th- those questions, when you look across you know, the entirety of the sport. But as far as T20 cricket, I, I said earlier this week, I think we put way too much expectation and responsibility on Kane Williamson, the T20 player. He's not a world-class T20 player, Grant. Is that fair, unfair? I, I think collectively that's our strength, the sum of all our parts. If you are expecting Kane Williamson to, you know, to set this tournament on fire, I think you might be a little bit underwhelmed based on what he's done. In the sport, and I'm, I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's, he's a very good player. I just don't put him in the in the top tier of T20 batsmen. And I, th- I think a lot of fans do. Yeah, I think when you look at Kane Williamson, I think what Kane Williamson does is he he gives you consistency. And unfortunately, recently that's what he hasn't given us. Because when you look at Kane Williamson, you go, "Oh, well, we guaranteed sort of 40 runs minimum there." And if he's going well, and to be fair. It, he looked great in the last game we played against Pakistan here on home soil in the triangular. He finally, he got 50 off 30-odd balls. He was looking good. He had energy at the crease. Um, he, he had a presence at the crease. Whereas prior to that, we were sort of, you know, asking questions about Kane, whether or not he had that drive, because he just looked a little bit off. So he's gone through a, a rough patch, as has Virat Kohli, as has Joe Root, now, if you look at the top four batters in the world at the moment, you would say 
you know, it would be Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, Joe Root, Kane Williamson um, in world cricket if you were to lump them into sort of, you know, mm. all three formats. Mm-hmm. Now, great, jo- great. Joe, Joe Root went through a bad trot. Mm-hmm. They took the captaincy away from him. Suddenly, he's at form. Virat Kohli taking the captaincy yeah, away from t- him. Everyone knew about his century drought. Steve Smith, well, he... Might not make the Australian team yeah. tonight. Enforced captaincy break for him after, you know, using few... Bunnings items on the ball. Well, his teammates were, not him. And then oh, yeah, Kane, he didn't know. He didn't know, of course. But but Kane is still captain. And I just think the captaincy does weigh heavily on the shoulders of, of a lot of these players, a lot of these brilliant players. And I think, like, I would love to see a split captaincy. Three yeah. captains, one one for each format, just so that they can have a break. And I think we, we said this six months ago, that straight after the T20 World Cup is when you really assess this yeah and it's probably the natural time to actually make a change there yeah uh, so I, I think am i making an excuse for him now because i think he is someone that needs to be in our t20 team i think he gives us consistency him and conway give us consistency in terms of the amount of runs we'll get and a little bit of a safety factor so you can have a hitter and a, a playmaker um, or touch player conway's a touch player Kane Williamson's a touch player, so we've got two touch players. And then outside of that, I think you want guys that can score yeah. hundreds or 40 balls. Is Kane Williamson capable of having a wonderful tournament and finishing with the golden bat like he did in the IPL win, was it? 2018. Yeah, so, you know, some four years ago. Yeah, he, he, he has that much talent. But I'm just saying if, if you're expecting it, yeah. maybe temper that. I want to back this up with some qualifiers. So... I think he's a very consistent T20. He is what he is. That, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So over the last five years in T20 internationals, Grant, a minimum of 500 runs. You've got to make. You've got to score 500 runs in that's T20 fair, cricket yeah. to make this list. There are 160 players in world cricket, in men's T20, who have scored more than 500 runs over the last five years. Kane Williamson has the 73rd best average, and the 108th best strike rate. Mm. Yeah, that, and I, then you compare him to um, other New Zealanders. Well, Conway is a better average. Colin Munro, remember him, better. Phillips, better. Ross Taylor, Jimmy Neesham. Uh, Williamson comes on six in that list. And then if you look at strike rates, well, I think he is at the bottom of all New Zealand players, which is nine in total as far as strike rate is concerned. You know, if I'm being really, really mean, I could say he's closer to dropping out of the New Zealand side than being a world-class T20 player. Now, that might be really unfair to some, but I, I just think the sum of all of our parts, you know, it, it's more of a compliment, I think, to the New Zealand team that one through six, we've got very capable players. I, I think what you do have to look at is you choose your best players, and then once you've got your best players, you choose how you want to play the yeah, game. Great. Rather than let's choose how we're going to play the game and then enforce that upon the players, or you have to select the players, you know, like you know, I guess Brendan McCullum's done. However, I think we've got our best players on the park, and then you look at it and you go, well, actually, our bowling attack is outstanding. So this is like Pakistan. You're not going to go for 200 because you've got a great bowling attack. Um, So that means you don't have to score as many runs. So you need players that are capable in all conditions to be able to score 170, 180 max. I always feel like if it goes over 180, I think we'd struggle as a batting team. And that's maybe what you're alluding to here because I don't think Conway is the quickest of, of batters in terms of strike rate, and neither is Kane Williamson, but they are, they are touch players. 
but you throw a Finn Allen and a Glenn Phillips and a Jimmy Neesham and a Daryl Mitchell around them. So hopefully one of those players is at the crease. So all Kane or Devon have to do is either get one or, you know, play a low risk game, hopefully fours along the ground or in trying to hit pockets and the other player can strike at 200. Yeah. Now, and in a weird way, what I'm trying to say is don't put too much pressure on Kane Williamson because I don't think he's as big a cog in the machine as a lot of people focus on. Do you think that's fair? I think the combination of Conway and Williamson is important. So I think it is a fair comment that you're making, but I think that combination of either a Conway or a Williamson we need to get going. And it baffles me that Gary Stead keeps on insisting that they sort of bat together because I've looked at their numbers and when they, they've batted together, They've had 10 partnerships. They scored um, 240 runs at an average of 30, but the strike rate was 6.85 and over. You want to be eights. You want to be at eights minimum, yeah. Thoughts of Grant Elliott. More to come as far as the T20 World Cup is concerned. Lots of uh, topics you might want to get your teeth into we've uh, thrown out there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, number is 0800 uh, Text double eight double three. Coming up after the break, editor at large, the sporting uh, news that you may have missed out on as you ready for your, yourself for your sporting Saturday. Time is now 24 minutes after 10 o'clock. All right, as you ready yourself for your sporting Saturday, time to recap the sporting news you may have missed out on. We might add in our totally unwanted and unwarranted off-the-cuff sporting opinion. We call it editor-at-large. Uh, we start with rugby grants. Damien McKenzie, hmm? Patrick Tupolotu, Brad Weber and Asafo Almua have received boarding calls for the All Blacks flight to Tokyo after a spate of late withdrawals for next month's Northern Tour opener against Japan. Injuries. Mm. Originally named in the All Blacks 15 side, the quartet have been summoned. Well, that sounds very official, like they're going to court or something. <laughs> you must, you must play for this team. You can't play for a domestic team. How dare you? We want... Stop ranting. Uh, to fill the gaping void left by injuries, um, which include Will Jordan, I think Lock, Sam Whitelock, halfback uh, Flau Whakatawa, uh, with all three Barrett brothers also remaining in New Zealand after uh, the death of their grandmother. Uh, sympathies to the Barrett clan. Amor will contest... Um, Saturday's NPC final between Wellington and Canterbury before joining the tour group as cover for veteran uh, hooker Dane Coles, who continues to nurse a long-term calf injury. Uh, Jordan and Whitelock have both picked up ear infections. That doesn't sound nice. Ear infections. Are Were you speaking to them after one of their painful. games? <laughs> Very good. I like that. Uh, to the Rugby League World Cup, Australia have obliterated the mighty Scots. Ben Francis, are you okay? You okay? With, the, with, with Scotland getting obliterated? I'm feeling a little bit sorry about Scotland at the Rugby League World Cup. Australia only won by 84 without loss. 84 nil. Ouch. The Kangaroos scored 15 tries. Josh Adokar scored four of them. In front of 10,000 fans, which saw Scotland suffer the heaviest ever defeat. Stat bomb! The biggest defeat in Rugby League World Cup history came in 2000 when who beat who by what, Grant Elliott? New Zealand. Versus, don't know. No, it was Australia, what a shock, beat Russia. Oh, okay. 110 for the loss of four. 110 for four. 110 for That is, that is big. That's big. Uh, New Zealand are in action against the reggae warriors of Jamaica. My, oh, be still my beating heart as far as nicknames in sport are concerned. The reggae, the reggae warriors. warriors of Jamaica. That is just majestic. Is that an oxymoron? Reggae warriors? So Possibly. Like reggae people are quite happy. And then yeah, well, Sir Vivian might disagree. He was a bit of a warrior. 
Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, we go to tennis now. Two-time Grand Slam champion Simone Halep has been provisionally suspended from tennis after testing positive for a banned substance. The former world number one provided a sample which tested positive for Roxadustat. I've probably butchered the pronunciation <laughs> of that, but I don't care. Uh, this came at um, the US Open back in August. Um, apparently, it's an anti-anema uh, drug which stimulates the production of red blood cells in the body. Grant, you're, you're the healthy one amongst us. Um, that probably means something to you. Halep, now ranked ninth in the world, said the positive result came back as the biggest shock of her life. So it's provisional. We'll uh, follow that story with great interest. To football now, and Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag said, says uh, there has to be consequences after confirming that Cristiano Ronaldo refused to come on as a substitute against Spurs. <laughs> yes, Ronaldo left uh, Old Trafford before uh, full-time after leaving the bench and walking down the tunnel in another act of petulance. I know he might be one of... The, the greatest footballer of all time, Piers Morgan and other fanboys, but it is a team sport. Surely? When was he asked to come on? Was it in the 89th minute? Yeah, it was in garbage time, but I'm sorry, he's not the best striker at that club at the moment. If he's if he's got eyes and actually watched the game, Marcus Rashford, who's been a bit up and down, was excellent in that game. Spurs are a good side. 2-0 is not you know, a completely safe scoreline. Score is it? Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. Uh, we might get I, into that a, a little bit later. Yeah, I've got an opinion. Yeah, on I know. And opener Paul Sterling said, Ireland to an upset nine-wicket win over the West Indies. Grant, we'll get I into know. this shortly. And Bell Reef, um, knocking the two-time champions out of the T20 World Cup in the preliminary stage and earning his team a spot in the Super 12s. They will join New Zealand's group alongside Sri Lanka and also the other qualifiers uh, to go into the New Zealand pool. And uh, Zimbabwe beats Scotland. Yeah, not a great um, 24 hours for Scotland. Uh, by five wickets to qualify for the Super 12 for the first time after finishing top of Group B with a better run, net run rate than Ireland. Uh, we will take a short break. It's 29 minutes after 10 o'clock on the other side. We will preview the T20 World Cup. SCNZ has full coverage of all New Zealand games at this tournament starting off tonight against the defending champion and hosts. In Sydney, Australia, we'll pick the brain of the guy next to me, former New Zealand Cricket International Grant Elliott. Stay with us. It's uh, SCNZ, bang on half past ten. Well, we hope you're ready for a good time here on SCNZ. Throughout the next few weeks, we will be right across the T20 World Cup, which is uh, now ready for the, the main course after the preliminary stage of the event. We mentioned it to, to you earlier. Um, who has progressed? Ireland. Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, and I've gone blank. That's really good. That's that's helpful. I'll tell you right now. Sri Lanka, Ireland, Zimbabwe, Netherlands. And the Netherlands. How could I forget the mighty Dutch, of course? Yeah. No West Indies grant. Let's start with that. Well, it was emotional because, I mean, yeah, you had the likes of Sri Lanka missing out in their first game. So Sri Lanka, who everyone thought was a dead cert to go through, Sri Lanka played Namibia. And lost. Namibia got 163, and Sri Lanka couldn't chase it down. They were bowled out for 108, but then came back strong. Um, they beat UAE, then beat Netherlands. So they progressed. Then you had um, Ireland, who's also in Group 1. And Ireland, um, when they started their um, uh, World Cup preliminary stages, they played Zimbabwe. They were beaten by Zimbabwe. They then went on um, to beat Scotland. And then uh, beat uh, West Indies. So that was a massive game, that last game. Well, the West Indies finished bottom of their group. 
yep. bottom of their group on net run rate, winning one of three games. Yep. They're a two-time world champion. We, we know the demise of West Indian cricket as far as test cricket over, the, over a generation, one-day cricket, but T20 looked like their last bastion. Yeah. What, panic stations for West Indian cricket as a result of this? Well, for, or is that too dramatic? No, well, there, there is an inquiry going on um, at quite, board level. Quite but, literally. But, I mean, I think that it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, you and I could probably, you know, give the results of that. You'd go, well, all of their best players have left the game. So you've got, you know, the likes of your Bravos, your Noreens, your Gales, um, you know, uh, Pollard. I don't think Pollard was at the, the tournament. So they can't even get them back for these major events. Well, maybe if they progress to the final, maybe they'd swap the squad and they go, okay, we're back, we're playing. But they, they won three times in a row, West Indies, the, the World Cup T20. Darren Sammy, who was, um, you know, he was captain, batting at seven, didn't bowl, didn't bat, was skipper. So they, they had an amazing team, very dynamic, and they lose all those players. But also, it was interesting, when I went there, I was age uh, 17, I went to West Indies for the first time to play in the Sir Gary Sobers school tournament. Um, we made the final at, um, in Barbados, Kensington Oval. I had my middle pole uprooted for a duck. Um, and, uh, did you at least play a shot this time? No, yeah, I did. It just went through the gate. And... Um, during that time, they were really worried about West Indian children that were playing basketball. So I think the rise of the game in... Track and field and all the scholarships to U.S. colleges too. Totally. All the so, U- so it's a, you know, it, there's a player drain. It's not the, you know, the one come all, the great status comes with being a cricketer as it was, you know, yeah. 70s, 80s and into the 90s. And they get U.S. sports on their TV. Yeah. So as a kid, you grow up almost being in the U.S. So And, and it's much easier to have a basketball court than create a yes, cricket field with two umpires and the scorebook. And you know, cricket's a little bit complex in that regard. But it's just such a shame because West Indies is one of those teams like Pakistan. You go, oh, I hope we don't meet them in like yeah. a final or a semi. because just the way they play. You never know what to expect. They're either hot or they're really cold. So... I- you know, there's an orthodoxy uh, across a lot of cricketing nations. You, you don't get, you get real points of difference. Not only great cricketers of the past, like Brian Lara did it his own way too. Mm. Good luck trying to bat with that grip. You know, mere mortals couldn't pull that off. I've always, you know. Sir Vivian. I mean, there'll be West Indians, I know, that are so proud that we'll be hurting big time. So they will not be at uh, the uh, T20 World Cup. SCNZ will be. We'll have uh, all the New Zealand games for you uh, in association with Big Barrel, Big Range, Bigger Deals. Can't wait to work alongside Grant Elliott. Uh, let's uh, pick our way through the other contenders. We've spent a lot of time over the last couple of ye- uh, weeks looking at New Zealand, the makeup of the starting lineup, their chances. I, I've sort of lumped them in the second tier of contenders. Um, and I've put them behind, behind both Australia and England in the New Zealand pool. That, that's not a shocker of a call, is it, Grant? Uh, I think anything can happen. I agree. They're, they're capable of beating them, but if you ask me to rank them now, that's yeah. what I'm doing. And, and what I will say is that there's a little bit of rain around, which is not a bad thing for the first game. A bit of rain around. There could be thunderstorms. And stuff, 90% so. chance yeah. of rain. But, but talking of, of Australia, the defending champions, the hosts... Twelve months ago, we, we were talking down their chances. They, they looked like a team in a state of flux. We weren't sure how are they going to go, but you know, somehow, some way, they, they managed to get through to the final and play very well in the final to beat New Zealand, of course. H- how are you feeling about them this time around? Are they, you know, dead set challenger or are Dad's army? 
they are dad's army. I think there are three or four players in the squad under 30. They've got a whole heap of experience. How do you see Australia? I, I am worried about the psychological hurdle. I think we're a better team, but it seems that whenever we come up against Australia, and we spoke about this during the Chapel Hadley series, and you look at the test series over there as well, in Australian conditions, Australia are unbelievable. In our conditions, we're a world-class team as well. So we're in Australian conditions, playing against Australia, away from home. I just I feel like we haven't got over that psychological hurdle yet. You know, even playing in that, uh, that World Cup T20 final, we were a much better team than Australia going into that final. And suddenly Mitchell Marsh comes out of nowhere, you know, man of the match. It's like when we played in 2016, James Faulkner comes out of nowhere and gets forfa. You know, that they always manage to do something special in a final, whereas if we don't take that backward step, and I think that that's the big thing, and I don't know if the team has worked on that or not. Anyway, if they haven't, it hasn't really been vocalized in media or they haven't spoken about it, but that's the big step they need to take forward is like, we don't care about Australia. It's not about them. It's about us. And but you can't dismiss what Australia does in these big games. So you can't dismiss them. So you're not no. going to be surprised if they're there for the last game of the tournament. Yeah. Again. And, and Australia will have a lot of consistency. From a year on, I think just one player will not play in the first game. The luxury is they get to drop Steve Smith. <laughs> Tim David. Tim David? Yeah. He's, he hits it hard, doesn't he? He's pretty dynamic. Yeah. He's one of those players who's actually said... I'm not playing Red Bull cricket. I just want to be a T20 cricketer. So he's gone, beefed himself up in the gym. He plays in the, you know, the mercenary circuit. Plays in, you know, Pakistan, you know, Caribbean, Bangladesh, Big Bash, and he just plays T20 cricket. And that's Ricky, in the middle order. And Ricky Bonton described him as, you know, something akin to Andrew Simons. Yeah, smashes it. Right. He's got got a bit of technique about him. But then you mentioned England. Now I think England's an interesting one because I think. If you get England on a bowling pitch, something that has maybe a little bit of swing and maybe a little bit of nip, uh, then I think we beat them every time. But if it's a true surface, I just don't think that we can compete against the strike rate that they've got in there. They are dynamic, their batting. Their batting is dynamic, isn't it? Well, they've picked a team that I think they look to go and score over 200 every time. Whereas I think our team is almost based on that sort of 170 to 180. Um, you know, if an opposition scores 200 against us, I, I'm concerned whether we've got the players that can actually go out there and, and get those runs. Because I look at someone like Finn Allen and Glenn Phillips and maybe Jimmy Neesham. Obviously, we're going to miss Daryl Mitchell by the looks of it. I was just quickly looking up to see how his injury is getting on, and it looks like he will miss out the first game. Um, so that's a bit of a worry because he's quite dynamic. He's almost like a Tim David type player. Whether we're three down, he can go in and steady the ship. Um, but also, if we, you know, he comes in in the 14th over, he can also bash some sixes and get that strike rate up. And so, England's bowling has good balance to it. Whether it's you know, yeah, slower bowlers led by Adil Rashid. Yeah. But they've got genuine pace, swing, right, left armers. Mo and Ali. Yeah. You know, yeah, so you're right. They've got a great combination. And I think we have got that really good combination of players. Um, I just, the only concern is strike rate in our team, whether or not we can chase those big scores. So if we're on a true surface, then yes, England go ahead of us. But, you know, we've been saying this in World Cups. New Zealand always perform in World Cups. We always make it to the last four. We always have done in the last few years. And 
Um, I think that, you know, when you get to the last four, then it's anyone's game. It doesn't matter about favourites. T20 cricket is about individuals. If you get two people in your team firing, a batter and a bowler, having their day, you'll win the game. Um, and we've got players, and I, I always think it comes down to your senior players. It comes down to your players like, well, I put Conway in a senior player category now. So your Conways, your Williamsons, your Bolts, your Southies, um, and probably your, your Mitchells when he's back in the team. And even someone like Jimmy Neesham, he's been in the team long enough to create a dynamic 30 or 12 balls at the end of an innings to yeah. get you over the line. So uh, two pools of six, Australia, England, New Zealand will be joined by Sri Lanka, Ireland and Afghanistan in uh, pool A or group one, I think technically. So only, Af- t- only two um, go through. Who's the biggest danger? It is Afghanistan. Well, I was going to ask you, does Afghanistan scare you? Not as much as they did last time out in the yeah. UAE. Yeah, 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 yeah. In I, subcontinent I, I, conditions. One man, one man scares me though. Jonathan Trott, friend of SENZ, yeah. coach of Afghanistan. Exactly, good friend of the program, Jonathan Trott. <laughs> uh, might have conjured something, but I've called, um, you know, Mr. Khan, you know, who, who has done very, very good uh, in Australia too. Yeah. But can one man carry? No. No, no he's, he's got not. 24 balls. You just see him off. And, but that's the danger. Yeah. If you say, oh, let's just see Rashid off, then suddenly he's yeah. Pfeiffer. But in Ireland or Sri Lanka and look like on their day type of sides, I'm not sure they'll be consistent enough to actually get through. So uh, for me, Australia, England, New Zealand, um, clear favourites uh, to progress out of uh, group number one. Uh, group two has Bangladesh, India, the Netherlands, Pakistan, South Africa and Zimbabwe. Not the group we probably expected ahead of the qualifying series. Congratulations uh, to the Dutch. Well done, Jungers. Um, and Zimbabwe uh, have made it. No, West Indies nowhere to be seen. Yes, um, you know, multiple ICC um, T20 World Champs incredibly do not make it. Um, that makes the... I guess I had a preconceived idea of, about the West Indies being a, a real wild card, making that group quite deep. Mm. But it looks like three clear contenders. In fact, probably just two in my mind. I've got, I've got Pakistan and India ahead of South Africa. Yeah, I think that's a good call. South Africa haven't got a, a badly balanced team, though, to they be fair. They dumped us in the warm-up game, yep. didn't they, by nine wickets with eight or nine overs remaining? Riley Rousseau's come back into the team. Riley Rousseau, he almost renounced his citizenship um, to go and play on the circuit. Just said he wasn't interested. They, they brought him back into the team. He is a very good player. He's almost like a David Miller player, but batting at three. So, you know, you've got the likes of him and Miller uh, in the team. They've got Shamsi, you know, Rabada. They've got a really nicely balanced team because I always I've said it to you all the time, Daniel. You need a very dynamic opening batting duo that can get you off to a good start. Someone to I guess bat through your banker, your Kane Williamson, Devon Conway type player, um, and then you need striker at the end of the inning. So they've got Miller, a leg spinner. So they've got Shamsi, and then you've got someone who bowls one fifty. You've got Rabada. If you've got that, and we have got that in our squad as well. Uh, then you've got the makeup of a very good T20 team. But I think Pakistan is going to be the big question mark. Are they going to turn up for the tournament? Because as we discussed with West Indies, you know, when they're hot, they're hot. They've got the crowd behind them. They're amazing. And I do love a good bowling attack on Australian surfaces because it, they should be better friendly. So if you've got a good bowling attack, that's got to be a, a massive trump card. And they do have a good attack. Did you see Shaheen Shah Afridi in the first three deliveries of the warm-up game? Um, 
what bowling from 17 feet high and getting the ball to hoop back in towards the right-hander at great pace. It was a left-hander that was batting against him. Yeah. And play and miss first three balls. Just unbelievable he does late not look swing. Like an unproposition. Bounce. Pace. And height. Getting it to swing. No thanks. So you've got him plus the, the bowling attack that was here. You've got the quickest bowling attack in the competition. So if they can, you know, use the bigger fields in Australia, they could be extremely effective. But are they going to turn up? That's going to be the question. Thoughts on India? Uh, yeah. Unsure? I, I think, oh, India, they, they've always, I think it's the expectation. They're the England uh, of World Cup football, you know. <laughs> yeah. There, there's so much, so much expectation weighing on their shoulders. They go in with so much pressure. Can they handle the pressure of the crowds, of the country, of being probably the tournament favourites? Um, yeah, you just never know what to expect. I, I would like to expect an India, potentially India-England final. Okay. Well, I was just going to finish off the segment uh, preview in the T20 World Cup and associate with Big Barrel, Big Range, Bigger Deals. They um, are alongside us as we bring you coverage of all the New Zealand games starting off tonight. Uh, Greg actually uh, t- uh, texted in, what future T20 bets you like, Grant? So I was going to make you stick your neck out. Future bets. Yeah, as so in... give, me, give me a finalist. Oh, finalist. Well, I'm I want both go... Kiwi eyes open here. I'm going to go. I know it's hard to, to, to look past your former side. India and England, I think, are the, the form teams. That, and I think that that would make for a very interesting final just because you've got two teams with explosive batting. Like what about Pakistan-England at $10? Ooh, I like that as well. I do. Uh, Pakistan are the the real dark horses for this this tournament because they've got an amazing bowling lineup. I don't think they've got the batting. Pakistan. I think if they get into batting woes, that they rely too heavily on Rizwan and Baba. It is almost ten minutes away from eleven o'clock. Thoughts of Grant Elliott looking ahead to the T20 World Cup. Hope you enjoy our coverage. Hope you stay with us throughout uh, the games. Uh, most of them start around eight, nine o'clock at uh, night is when New Zealand is playing, starting off later this evening when they take on Australia from Sydney. Uh, weather warning about for sure. Uh, rain, thunderstorms in the forecast. Um, could be a truncated game. Um, that will make team selection rather interesting right up until the toss. I, I am sure New Zealand will not lock in their lineup. We'll take a short break. It's 10 away from 11. Coming up to the top of the hour, um, it's five and a half minutes away from uh, keep your nominations and stories and selections for our Forever the Bridesmaid or Forever the Buck, Never the Stag, as uh, someone texted in. Uh, we've been inspired by Wellington 0-8 in uh, finals. Yes, that's zero wins, eight losses. It could be 0-9 later this evening. They take on Canterbury in another MPC final between those uh, two-storied franchises or provinces. Uh, Canterbury's won one or two since. Um, there was a streak of nine in ten years. Don't be greedy, Canterbury. Shh, spread the love around. Um, one unnamed texter. No, he does have a name. Um, Peter and Aiden are clearly thinking along the same lines. Jimmy White was runner-up in the World Snooker Championships six times. Lost to Davis, Hendry and Parrott. Thank you very much Aiden. You have a knowledgeable Aiden. That's a pretty good shout. So get your nominations are coming through for Ever the Bridesmaid or the Buck or Never the Stag if you will. Grant Elliott named the Black Caps having completely forgotten their World Test Championships but hey. hey. <laughs> it's, it's not as if you paid for news. Oh you did. And for that exact team. I was always yeah. the Bridesmaid. Yeah. So get uh, yours coming through. Uh, more sport to come. We'll hopefully hear from you. Our lines are always open. 0800 150 811. You can text us double eight double three. 
The next hour, the big feature will be our Saturday Session Legends segment. 11am, welcome aboard. If you're late to the programme, where the bloody hell are you? That's what I always say. Grant Elliott alongside me, Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire, is with us. We take you through to 12 o'clock. The big feature this hour, as is always the case, in association with Somerset. Think legendary care, think Somerset Retirement Villages. We like to wind back the clock and um, speak to a legend uh, relating to perhaps their sporting career, perhaps it's a coach, perhaps it's an administrator, or we look at a successful season, or even a particular game. Well, today it's the latter two, isn't it? It's the culmination of a successful season for one team in particular, and arguably the finest ever MPC final we have ever seen. And I'm talking about once they went to actually, you know, playoffs, semifinals and finals. Is there a better MPC final than the 2001? If you would like to argue... Uh, or make a nomination, now is your chance. You can pick up the phone, and I highly encourage it. 0800 150 811. The greatest MPC final as far as you're concerned? Well, I think certainly in the conversation, at the very least, Grant Elliott, is uh, the 2000 final between Canterbury, who are hosting it against Wellington. Guess what? That's a mirror image of tonight's final. Canterbury hosting the final against Wellington. Uh, Wellington on that day won um, by 34 points to 29, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that was the last time Wellington did win. So Jason Spice, the ever-colourful uh, character, the halfback, the yappy halfback from the Wellington Lions that day uh, to revisit that game that season. Looking forward to catching up with him in about 15 minutes' time. Yeah, is it, is it fair to say that, I mean, that was before my time arrived here, 2003, but obviously having looked at the game and, you know, seeing who was involved, it's fair to say that you probably never get as many All Blacks involved in an NPC final. It, it's almost like... Um, no, you won't under the, the club way. cricket or club rugby or Heartland yep. rugby. You know, you very rarely do you see those top performers. Those as the game has become more professional. Oh, the NZR have you know? I think it, you can argue have thumbed their nose at that competition. Uh, that was at its peak, the nineties into the early two thousands, and then slowly the stars have been uh, you know taken out of it. What for for training camps for a test match in Japan, which I, I just I. Do we get revenue out of that? Maybe. I don't know. We don't get a whole lot of gate takings as they go on to the northern northern part of the season. I, I just think the balance is all wrong. Um, I'm going down a, a negative rabbit hole. Oh, sorry, Grant. Who was the rugby player we spoke to on the show? I forget who said he played in the Ranfurly Shield final and then the next day they flew... Stuart Wilson did. The, yeah, they flew him to, played, to play for Wellington. Played the 81 um, Springbok uh, series, the third test, of course, and then the next day he was playing for Wellington in the... MPC decider against Manawatu. Yeah, and you just won't see that. And I know that Australian cricket, all of the um, all of the, the the players, it was in their contract that they had to play one league or club game a year. Now I don't know if that's the case anymore. So you'd get you know Steve Smith turning out for his club as well as uh, Mitchell Johnson. Sorry, Ben Francis wanted to say something. I was going to say I can't believe you didn't remember Stu Wilson's incredible story. That's probably one of the best moments we've had on the Sporting Legends segment. That was a great yeah. Especially, yeah, no, I remember the story, just not the name. Absolutely incredible when he said he went to the office the next day and the office lady said, oh, what have you been doing this weekend? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. That's a fantastic yeah. Oh, just, just mowed the lawns. The oh, just mowed the lawns. Didn't do much. <laughs> Didn't beat South Africa in a decider and then win the National Provincial Championship the next day. It was a great yarn. So we're looking forward to catching up with Jason Spice a little bit later. So uh, if, you, if you want to get your nomination in for the best... Um, uh, NPC final, as far as you're concerned, there's no wrong answers, right? 
uh, let us know. Pick up the phone 0800 150 or double eight double three. We also want to know forever the bridesmaid or forever the buck, never the stag in sport because the Wellington Lions are 0-8 in finals. That's actually kind of an extraordinary record. It's kind of kind of makes them the lovable loser, if you will. It's, Have I no, asked? I'm not going to go as far as to say I don't want to lose that tag because that's what makes them famous. But it certainly uh, helps, um, you know, create the fabric of, of the well, the average Wellington rugby fan. A couple of questions for you, Grant, uh, as far as cricket's concerned. Someone uh, writes here, Hi team, Josh to be exact, will New Zealand cricket follow Wellington cricket's model of having separate captains and coaching groups for next format? Uh, Grant is Bruce Edgar, our next CEO of New Zealand cricket. Well, I can answer that. I don't think the CEO, I'm not sure if he'd be interested or there's any change imminent there. But was this deliberate from Cricket Wellington or did they fall into it? Because what happened? The split coaches with BJ Watling doing the white ball and Bruce Edgar doing the plunket shield. Yeah, I just I think that the, it was a late call um, in terms of with their, their coaching staff who they who they had and um, who was actually going to be doing it because initially Bruce Edgar was coach director. Then they started looking for the coach. They obviously got BJ Watling. You would think BJ Watling would be more suited to the four day uh, format. You know, having been probably our best ever yeah. wicket keeper batter. Um, but I don't think that fitted in with his family and travelling from yep. to and from Hamilton. So he became, but you know, by default. the at the beginning of the year and at the end of yeah. the season. Yeah, it, so it by default, the white ball coach. Uh, Richard also has a question, and this pertains to our little chat in the last hour about, you know, the importance of Kane Williamson in the side. Is there too much of the spotlight on him? Uh, if Kane doesn't perform to a high standard, would it affect his visibility to an IPL team, Grant, and not get a contract, or does his reputation override performance? It's a really good question. Thank you, Richard. It is, but I mean, I showed you that advert this morning, and... Um... It's another shocker. It, en- it enters the Hall of Fame of New Zealand cricketers selling their souls in India for a, a few dollars. a Dream 11 one with him on a seesaw with an elephant, and then speaking uh, Urdu uh, around some, I don't know betting platform or something that they had. Um, I think that all of these IPL teams, they're, they're about investments now. Um, it's professional. There's talk of player payments going up to as much as 10 million. Yeah, incredible, really. But but Williamson also performs well in the IPL, right? He does. 2018, he does. golden bat. So he averaged 52, striker 140. He was the top batter of the tournament. Um, he's demanding a salary of 2 million now. As captain, as yep. so, and we were talking more about his numbers, his raw numbers in the yeah. international game, of course, which is spread around the globe, not just in India. He's a fine player of spin too. Yeah, he's got a reputation. I, I, I don't think he's no. at any risk of he's, not being invited back for a couple of years at least. And he's a he's a package, right? He's a name, he's a leader, and he can play spin and uh, extremely well. He's got experience in the subcontinent, which counts for a lot. So I don't think he'll ever not demand a really good T Twenty package. Uh, keep your questions, comments, calls coming in. Always love to hear from you. It's seven minutes after 11 o'clock before we get to um, our break. Can I can I bring up our Midas Tyres Workhorse of the Week? And my nomination this week, Midas Agritires, of course, the choice of leading manufacturers, Midas Agritires, European quality made affordable. What is this segment about? Well, who or what team has been the hardest worker of the week? Who has... Been toiling the land in sport and bringing the very best out of themselves and their fans. Grant, I will start, and as always, I will start with a non-nomination. Someone who did not front and did not do anything of note. Or did they? My non-nomination, unsurprisingly, Cristiano Ronaldo. 
for his childish behaviour during Manchester United's 2-0 EPL win over Tottenham midweek. Ronaldo was seen leaving the bench before the end of the game and later left the stadium before Eric Ten Hag and the United squad had returned to the dressing room. What a team guy. Uh, subsequently, Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag has confirmed that Ronaldo refused to come on as a substitute, Grant. Didn't want to play in garbage time. I'm the GOAT. Treat me better. Treat me with more respect. Asked whether Ronaldo refused to come on as a substitute, Ten Hag um, was good enough to expand it uh, with an answer of yes. <laughs> I did like that. Just Ten Hag, straight he, yes. He also... Re- Added that Ronaldo had already been warned about his behaviour after he was spotted leaving Old Trafford before the end of a pre-season friendly with Rao Varcano back in July. And he said, I am the manager, I am responsible for the top sport culture here, and I have to set standards and values, and I have to control them. Oh, so, I mean, there's a couple of words there, Mm. which was um, the culture and uh, top sports environment. So he's basically... English is a sing- second language, and his English is not great by even Dutch standards. Yeah, but it sounds like it's more about his attitude and him in and around the change room. And unfortunately, when you get to the end of your career, you choose how you exit the game when you're a great. And I remember a coach talking about um, his basketball team, and it was just it was a women's basketball team, I think, semi-professional. He said, I always look at the players I leave out and see what their attitude is like on the bench. And if they've got a great attitude towards the team, those are the players I want to pick. And obviously, Ronaldo's packing the sad because he's not being picked. Yeah. Thinks he should be being picked. But unfortunately, you have to swallow your pride and it's about the team. It's not about you as an individual. It's about the team. But he has a huge um, fan base and he has a lot of support. But I just cannot understand how he gets any support on this matter. Let's get to an actual workhorse of the week. My Midas Tires Workhorse of the week, Mr. Brockman, the great man, Ned Brockman. He's finally home and he's feeling everything. He left Western Australia on the coach line and ran coastline and ran 4,000 Ks, Grant, across the continent. Over 46 days and 12 hours, he pushed himself to the limit, running to Sydney's Bondi Beach, where you have a, an apartment, don't you, or a penthouse, is it? where he was welcomed by thousands of fans on uh, Monday afternoon. Sure, you've seen the pictures. What an incredible story. He's raised 1.85 million Australian uh, for ho- a homeless charity. Um, he, he writes, uh, or, or said, I'm chuffed, I'm elated, I'm tired, I'm everything, just happy to be home. Uh, incredible, really. Why did he do it? Very good question. I love challenging my body, my mind, to see how far I can go and see the capabilities of the human body. Uh, looking at his Instagram a post, uh, he writes, 3,953 kilometres, 46 days and 12 hours. I might reflect and do a post at some point outlining the last 47 days, but now it is a sign-off of what has been a truly life-changing experience. So, Australia, ran it, tick. $1.82 million raised so far, raised it, tick. Body, cooked it, check. Can you do it in an Australian accent? 11 kgs, lost it, tick. Nation, inspired it, mate, tick. Mind, lost it, tick. Slurped, sleep, earned it, tick. Thank you all. You bloody beautiful bastards! Four X. This is going to be my. This is going to be. I'm going to run the link. I'm going to run the width of New Zealand. Which island, north or south? Well, I'm definitely going to get to choose exactly um, <laughs> uh, what part of New Zealand, <laughs> and it will be nowhere near four thousand k's. Um, but, uh, but being someone who lives around Auckland, um, 
uh, Ben Francis. What's the name of the, the, the suburb I was struggle with? I, I, I can't say it either. <laughs> so I, I, I remember, I'm not from Auckland, so I don't know, yeah, exactly. don't know Auckland that well. Otahuhu, Otahuhu, Otahuhu. So, so Ned Brock. The narrowest point in New Zealand from east coast to west coast is the industrial suburb where I can uh, walk the 1K from east to west in about 10 minutes. <laughs> That's on my bucket list. I will do that. Yes, Grant, you can finally set me a challenge. Run from one side of New Zealand to the other. I will absolutely do that. Body cooked it. Yeah, cooked Mind it. Mind lost cooked it. it. <laughs> so I read up on Ned Brockman. Yeah. And he said, so in 47 days he did this this run. Yeah. And he said, that someone asked him what it was like. And he said, it was like being hit by a bus 47 <laughs> times. <laughs> Fantastic. A fantastic. Congratulations, Ned Brockman. That's an amazing achievement. So he is uh, my Midas Tires Workhorse of the Week. Grant's nomination uh, to come later. It's 13 minutes after 11. Our Saturday Session Legends series carries on. We look back at the legendary game. That was the 2000 NPC final. The last season of the Wellington Lions um, were champions of New Zealand Provincial Rugby. The uh, halfback, former first-class cricketer too. Let's not forget, fine sportsman. Jason Spice joins the show after this. Collins sends it left. O'Halloran pitches through. Lenny's coming quickly. He's got the bounce. And Wellington get the first try. Mertens again. Shovels into center field. O'Halloran reads it. Off to Waller. Now it's to Lenny. And the big guy against Vernon Barker. He's got rid of him once. Can he do it again? Yes! Oh, the wonderful Grant has been had the call back in 2000, nearly to this day, Grant, nearly 22 years to this day. I think it was the 20th. I think it was the 20th by my count. So we're a couple of days off that. It is uh, time for our Saturday Session Legends segment as we uh, speak uh, about legendary sporting games, seasons, players, careers. We're definitely focusing on, on one of the better, if not the best, NPC final we've ever seen in 2000. It also happened to be the last time Wellington won the NPC. That's 22 long, long years. I don't feel too sorry for Canterbury. They might have won more than 10 since. They had an extraordinary streak of 9 and 10 years. Uh, with their last title coming in 2017. It was Wellington in Christchurch against Canterbury 22 long years ago, Grant. It will be Wellington against Canterbury in Christchurch later tonight. Really was the peak of this uh, this competition. Full house, Jade Stadium, I think it was uh, known back then. Uh, incredible scenes, great game, huge stars uh, across both the teams. We're delighted to welcome in a man uh, who was at the heart and uh, soul of it. All, all halfbacks are, aren't they, Grant? Pretty good sportsman, someone you know hold, holds court quite well. He holds court very well, and he actually gives me a bit of a rash because he's a left-arm spinner who I've had to face on a few occasions during the Black Clash and has recently been in India uh, playing in a Legends series of cricket. Was invited with the likes of Jacob Orham was there, Ross Taylor was captain. Um, yeah, there were some illustrious cricketers there, and he was in and amongst it, and I'm sure he had a great time. <laughs> I bet. And I'm sure the evening of 2000 at the MPC final, which I'm really keen to hear about how they celebrated, uh, but it's a big welcome to another friend of SENZ, and on our Legends segment, Jason Spice. Spicy, how are you? 
Oh, I'm very good. Gentlemen, how are you? Yeah, we're great. Did you survive India? Or did they, uh, they, they almost break you? Uh, they almost broke me, I won't lie. Uh, self-inflicted mainly, <laughs> but uh, I come back for the first time with a few extra kgs to wear off, so uh, that's what I've been doing this morning. It's a beautiful day in the Bay. Ha- I, I think beach. most people uh, who go, uh, most people who play cricket in India lose weight, spicy. So how's it going the other way around? Come on, explain that to us. Well, I'm going to share a little secret with you. Apparently, I'm the first cricketer to go there. Well, pretend cricketer, I should say, to uh, <laughs> have the re- have the reverse and have to buy a laxative to get myself going. So, uh, yeah. a first, a first for uh, many things that I've stupid things I've done, but. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great experience that part, but the rest of it was uh, very good, and uh, yeah, an eye opener. Well, apparently, spicy is the best time to go and play that tournament because it's monsoon season, so it just <laughs> rains all the time. And uh, I heard from one of the the players it was actually Jacob Orama sat down with him and chatted to uh, him about it, and the organisers were saying, "Oh, we should do this again uh, next year, but just change the dates." And he said, "No, you should just keep the dates the same. <laughs> it's perfect." I'm, I'm a massive fan of uh, the timing of the event. Um, two <laughs> games out of five. Uh, so, you know, it's not often you're lost sitting on the bench, but um, I enjoyed it. I must say, I sat there with uh, Scott Storis, who conveniently pulled a calf muscle in the first touch of the ball. So, experience. He's obviously experience lot smart, there. Lot smarter than he looked. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Spicy, was that was that the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of uh, when you played against India? Because I mean, that looked like sort of fifty thousand plus. Uh, that was quite freakish, certainly for cricket. I've sat there, and the noise—you know—when something big happens in a game of rugby, people get excited. Yeah, uh, and that was just non-stop. I mean, admittedly, Tendulka was batting for five overs. So I kept going. <laughs> Am I missing something? And Cyrus was like, no, this, this is just what happens. And yeah, so it was a, it was a shame that one rained off because it was, uh, that was a full house and they were going. They were crazy the whole time. So it was, it was a great thing to sit back and watch. But, uh, you know, if it rains, what do you do? You just got to sit back and try and make the best of it, which we, I think we kind of did. Good job of. I'm, I'm glad you survived. So you've come from a legend segment uh, legend series to a legend segment here as we reflect on, on uh, the 2000 season for the Wellington Lions which culminated in that wonderful final of 2000. There's so many similarities. Almost on the same day, this year's final against the same two teams in the same city. I think in the semi-finals, you, you almost put 50 past Auckland in a, in a historic win for Wellington in the semi-finals. Of course, the, this year's side put 54 on uh, uh, Wellington, so there's a lot of similarities. Has your mind gone flooding back at all? Your memories of that whole campaign pretty strong? Uh, it is. I mean, I, I must say that I never watched the game until uh, COVID hit, and then there were some replays on TV. So I actually sat there and watched it with my son. And I didn't realise that... Uh, well, I didn't re- first, I'll go back. I didn't realise that we... I forgot about the Auckland game as a semi-final. And that for us was, at the time, we were like, well, this Auckland always tough. We never had a great record against them. And, yeah, with all of that 50 points, I think Brad Fleming scored a try that, that wasn't at the start of the game that kind of kicked us into gear and uh, sort of never looked back. But uh, it's a different story now. And I think 
these Canterbury boys are um, they're pretty good at winning, aren't they? So it's, oh, they are. I know, I know where my money is, but uh, they just they're so clinical. And watching that game last week, it was like so frustrating, <laughs> frustrating to watch how good they are, you know. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, uh, spicy. What what do Can what do Canterbury do to prepare for these games? And one of the questions I I had before your segment is, you're playing against Canterbury in the final. So talking about maybe what you guys did prior to the game, but do you keep doing what has made you successful during the season, or do you try and change it up a bit for the final to have that element of surprise? I think you've got to change it up. I mean, if you look historically at what Canterbury and Crusaders have done is uh, they've they've dominated a certain area in a game. So they do their homework really well. And if you look back at the Crusader final against Auckland, they dominated the lineout and that just killed the game. So I think uh, with this game it'll be it'll come down to uh, the Wellington set piece. So particularly the lineout. Um, and I know that Canterbury do a real good job at doing the homework, they're probably sitting there now, probably know exactly what the calls are for Wellington lineups. I'd, I mean, I'm pretty 90% sure that that's, what, that's where they're at at the moment. So you've got to throw something different at them. And, you know, if there's a team with flair, uh, this Wellington team certainly got it. So if they can get enough ball and get it quality, well then, you know, I think it's, you might see a repeat of uh, 20 years ago. Well, Canterbury finished top. Auckland finished second. I think they'd only won, lost one game each uh, throughout the regular season. Your side, I think, was six and nine through round robin play in twenty twenty. You know what? What was the thinking inside the camp about the playoffs? Okay, that that record six and three is not overwhelming now, is it? But did you always feel like with so much star power, it could click? It will click. How did you think going into the, the knockout stages back in twenty twenty? Uh, back in two thousand. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, you've you've just sparked memory where. I think Celotia and myself were injured, and we played North Harbour. And I think that was our last loss. And I think if we lost another game, that, that was us done. Uh, the real low point was watching Tana Umanga take off his brand-new boots and play in bare feet for 10 minutes. Um, so, <laughs> that's right! <laughs> what caused that that's again? Quite, Remind us. Oh, he had some new boots, and he got blisters, and then thought it was a good idea to take the boots off and play in bare feet. Oh. And I... <laughs> I remember sitting in the sitting in the grandstand, just look at my big mate beside me, and I was like, "Oh my god, what are we doing?" <laughs> so we already got stuck all about that, but but that was kind of yeah. We we lost that, and we we couldn't afford to lose another game. And I remember we had a little meeting, and yeah, and there was a few shots fired, and and uh, it's just one of those things, you know, with sport, it's funny how it's a fine line between having a great season and having an absolute. Shocker! So you know we we weren't far off from being an absolute shocker. So it's, you know it's hard to pinpoint what actually changed. It's probably just the mindset of we've got nothing to lose now, and uh, making sure that we can get the ball to the big guys that can run real fast makes a big difference. And you know obviously at the start of the show, the hearing that commentary of Lomu dominating on the outside, it's like you might see another sort of similar type guy today. Or tonight, so hopefully we see that. Spicy, uh, you hear so many people talking about oh momentum into the final, and I don't know. 
if I'm a believer in it or not, but how important is the build-up to a final like NPC like you had in the 2000s? Is there an element of, you know, the captain's run and having a good semi-final like the current uh, Wellington? Well, you've got to have a good semi-final, Grant, or you don't play the final, do you, Grant? Yeah, but I mean yeah. a, I mean, yeah. come, I mean, a good on, semi-final <laughs> as in, like, blowing the team off the park oh, like they you. did by 50 yeah. points. Good save. Um, good save. So... You know, what was your build-up like, and do you believe in that? Like, is there, is there an element of it, or is it just about turning up on the day? Oh, I think there's an element of when you, if you run in with a big score like that, uh, it just gives you that confidence that that flows onto your game. So if, if you're going into a final and you're, and you're, and you're a bit rusty, you know, you're not going to... Um, it doesn't always... The, the confidence is a big, big deal, particularly guys in... I guess in that nine, ten, eight, nine, ten position, particularly a hooker throwing, those sort of things. But if the day's gone really good, and you know you'll hit the week with a with a little bit more confidence, start focusing on things that could actually win you the game. So um, I'd imagine that Wellington, in the position they are now, that they would, I would like to think they would have spent the week probably tidying up some of the set piece, changing a few things up in that lineup. And yeah. you know, just making sure that they they get enough ball where they can get some use their firepower out wide. Which um, you know, if they do that, that's uh, going to be it's going to be a great match. Um, not to say that if you have a bad run in, can you not win the game? I think mm. you know some teams have battled their way through, and then you know the, you think about the French. French can be terrible. And then turn up one game and be world beaters, you know. So, you know, I guess in our DNA for New Zealanders, we're probably not that equipped to just play on emotion and and win just like that. But yeah. Well, Sp- like spicy. There would have been emotion. There would have been emotion in the two thousands. Full house, absolute full house. Don't get that these days, do you? And Norm Hewitt playing with a broken arm. I mean, what was the atmosphere like? Explain it. Oh. Look, it's weird because I keep telling cause kids at school, yeah, we used to play in front of a full house most games. <laughs> yeah, what's happening yeah. now? There is none. There's no people exactly. there. And it makes a massive difference where you can't hear people around you during game and, and that just creates that atmosphere and, and, and you can feel that tension when you play. And it's, man, it's, it's something that you kind of miss when you, when you retire from playing is that, is that intense feeling of, you're in there and, you, and it's, a, it's a cauldron, you know, and basically the only people you can kind of hear is, yeah, for me, it was probably the 10. So David Holwell could hear his voice and no one else. And that's, and you kind of operate in this, your own little bubble for a lot of that game, you know, so it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. Um, and Canterbury, they're an interesting crowd. Uh, I'd like to say they're uh, one of the friendlier crowds you'll go and play in front of. Uh, particularly uh, if you're from Auckland, uh, Wellington, not so bad. If you're Carlos Spencer, not so much. That's <laughs> 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 oh, all part of it. Going, going to, to a foreign ground and um, you know being them in front of their home fans just makes it sweeter. That that seems littered with stars. That's another um, difference. You know, other than the full houses, was the fact All Blacks were playing Cullen. Fleming, Umanga, O'Halloran, Lomu, Holwell, Spice, the back line. You had the young bouncers in the making and uh, Jerry Collins and Soyalo in the loose forward alongside Kupu Venisi, Dion Waller, Nokia Fiaki, Mono van der Merwe. 
Norm here at Kevin Yates. You had All Blacks on the bench and Paul Steinmetz and Alama Yedamir. You had a future British and Irish Lions player on the bench and Ricky Flutie. Man, that's a whole heap of talent. Big characters? Was it hard, hard for Dave Rennie to rein those characters in? Oh, I think I think that group of guys, it was, it was like a big family, you know. So, I mean, that's you spend enough time with each other, particularly if you're playing Super Rugby and, and that NPC together. You, it becomes quite easy uh, for the coach once you get going, because you've got to remember we were we lost quite a few games at the start. So uh, Dave Rennie did a great job in actually sitting us down and making sure we got ourselves together. But you know, when when you read those names out, it just sounds ridiculous. So that that was an NBC it's amazing final. Yeah, on the Canterbury and, side, oh, no, stacked too. But if you read the Canterbury side, it was absolutely stacked. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They had some some great players in there. It was. Uh, that was a special time. Um, yeah, it's just a shame you can't replicate that again, you know, getting those All Blacks into an NPC final. But, I mean, this is the way of the world now. We sort of, it's a different different beast now, isn't it? So, mm. what do you do? Um, yeah, I'd like, one day, like to see uh, your full-strength teams. But, I mean, I don't think that's probably going to happen anymore. So, But not to take away from those guys that are there now. So, they've done a great job. Think of those young guys that are coming through. You see a lot of twenty-year-olds now playing, uh, as opposed to twenty-nine-year-olds. So uh, it'll be interesting. So, spicy. How how tense was it in the two thousand final when um, you obviously had the the referee Paul Honus? He awarded five penalties in injury time, and then <laughs> Sinbin Waller for deliberately knocking it on. And I know. You're number nine. You're like the wicket keeper of the team. Very verbal, almost the heartbeat of the team, trying to keep everything together. Were you losing your head at that stage? I mean, it, it would have been getting so tense towards those last few minutes of the game. Well, he's lucky he couldn't hear me for most of the time of those five minutes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I remember we were, yeah, it was, you're trying to think on your feet and probably weren't doing a very good job of it at the time, but it was pretty much just, right, see someone tackle them. <laughs> you know, it was like just trying to get organised and trying to stay calm and that it was quite a tough thing to do. Um, yeah, and that's that's where you probably need, uh, if, you, if you look at the lineup of that Canterbury side now, with I see they've got a lot of experience on the bench as opposed oh, to... Oh, hell yeah. Mm. So, I guess... Are they planning to, they're hoping to close the game out at the end? And but you know, I I don't know if that's the right move or not. But um, it's hard to close the game out if you're 20 points down. Um, just saying. So yeah, uh, you know, so that's that's the sort of thing that I guess both camps are looking at and going right. What's the best way to finish a game? But you've got to you've got to actually kick, kick the game off and and get points on the board. And that's kind of what we did in that final. Um, and then it was just hang on. But, yeah, some of those penalties back then, I've, I'm still questioning them. I'd like to go back yeah, and well, uh, have a review of those. Maybe yeah, well, one. It, it, no, well, in fairness to Dion, it was amazing he stayed on the field that long. He was born with the yellow card, that man. Uh, wasn't he, just well, Hi, yeah. Dion. Hope you're, do- hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> if you... If you if you took that game and transported it 20 years later, uh, you'd stop every ruck and there'd be about 15 guys off the field within the first 30 minutes. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think this is a great point, Jason. I, I, I think rugby needs to have a good, long, hard look at itself. Oh, mate, it's one of the most confusing games uh, out there. It's there's a yeah, they need to do something because it's for the for the general public that maybe not be into rugby that much, but will enjoy watching an odd game. It's you know they just get lost on it. You know, people that have played it all their lives are sitting there going, I don't understand this, and so. Yeah, hopefully there's some brains there that actually try and do something different to make it a little bit easier to watch. But um, yeah, there's a few things there that I'd I'd definitely change. Something certainly around those scrums um, that kill you. But oh. yeah, <laughs> I just can't. Singing from the same song sheet. Singing for Norm Hewitt. Did he have... break his arm during the game? Before the game? You know, it did happen, right? He played. I, I think that was during the game. <laughs> One of those rucks he ran into. <laughs> probably probably Todd Black at his forehead, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> like that. Was was that just the, that was the era where you went, Come on, mate, just get on with it. If put some water on it. If it's get not sponge, if it's not broken, you keep the going. The sponge with water and that <laughs> is sponge's broken arm. You're fine, we sponged That's... it, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That white tape's amazing stuff. You just wrap some more on that, that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> With a little affirmation on it, keep going. Keep going. Oh, brilliant yeah. stuff. So you win, you go out and celebrate, no doubt. Oh, this is spicy. Did, this I, week I, comes yeah, into yeah, his own, I reckon. I'd like to know, did you go uh, out in full Wellington I'm, kit? Or did, because I've heard whispers, there, there, was, there was a rumour you were told you weren't allowed to wear any official Wellington gear as you went out that night. Is that the case? I'll tell you, I'll, this, you're gonna, this is going to hurt you when I tell you this. But oh no! You spend so many, you get, spend so many years getting beaten, and then getting told by some Canterbury one-eyed guy that how shit you are. And then <laughs> we get told, we get told after the end of that that we we have to stay in the hotel. So we didn't leave the hotel. Admittedly, we had a good time in the hotel, but we didn't leave that hotel. I didn't get the chance to go back and see all my friends in Canterbury <laughs> and, thank, and, thank, and thank them for their support over the last five years. So <laughs> that that would be my biggest regret is, yeah, we sat in that hotel and we enjoyed each other's company, but didn't get didn't get to go to one pub in Christchurch to celebrate. Spicy, whoever made that decision, I think, is one of the wisest people I know because I know that the, the, the Christchurch fans and Canterbury fans would have been hurting so much. That was a fight waiting to happen. I oh, think. mate, you know, it would have been, you know, Tana's handbag all over again. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I'm way too small to be starting those sort of things. But, uh, look, hey, they were obviously smarter than me. So, you know, I, I did what I was told, as I always do. And, uh Stayed inside, but I can tell you I didn't sleep that night. So, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Well, you you hold an amazing uh, end of end of game court session with uh, rugby versus cricket, and no doubt you'll be uh, you'll be in the cricket team this year. So I'm looking forward to that because you always play for the last sport that you played for. So I'm looking forward to potentially being on the same same team as you, Spicy. But it's great to hear you uh, recalling your. Your 2000 NPC final, um, and you are a true legend. Looking at that lineup, 
um, and trying to, I mean, I've, I've watched the highlights of that game because I wasn't in New Zealand um, until 2003. It is an unbelievable game. It looks like an international and uh, you must be very proud of those moments and special uh, memories that you have during that time. Oh, look, it, it, you, at the time, you you don't really think too much about it because you just move on to the next thing. And uh, it's probably not till your your kids watch it and and start asking questions about how things went and what it was like. And that's that, that stuff becomes really special. So, yeah, look, um, it's brought back a lot of good memories. And, uh, you know, it's... it's some other younger guy now to do the job and hopefully we uh, see a good Wellington result and I'll certainly be watching and supporting them. Brilliant, Jason. Thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks so much, mate. We'll catch up with you soon. Hey, good to chat, boys. Have a good day. We'll give it a nudge. That was Jason Spice, halfback of the uh, 2000 uh, NPC winning Wellington side. The last time they won the title, almost 22 years to the day against Canterbury in Christchurch. That will be a repeat uh, tonight when the two sides a lock horns. Uh, that's going to be a really tight game. Uh, for me. I still can't make up my mind. But uh, our Saturday session Legends segment proudly brought to you by Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset.co.nz Back after this break. It's 19 away from 12. 14 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Huge thanks to Jason Spice uh, for joining us for our Legends segment. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're just tuning in and uh, missed out on it, uh, check out our social media accounts. Uh, ben will post those at shortly, and you can listen to it in its entirety. He was great, wasn't he, yeah. Jason Spice? And, um, you know, j- he went into rugby mode there. You could hear the knowledge of the man, and he's still involved in the sport. Clearly still watches a fair bit, doesn't he? Yeah, and teacher as well. So, yeah. you know, getting quizzed by the kids. Up about, in the former bay, isn't it? The yeah. former bay. We, now now the bay is actually in Wellington. Just name a bay in Wellington, and that's the bay after taking yeah. the Ramphilly Shield. And he's a very competitive man. Yeah. I mean, you know, you play in that Legends game. Well, the last person you want to get out to is Jason Spice. <laughs> he's good mates with Hamish Marshall. And, you know, Hamish took him on, hit him for a six over his head, and you could just see the steam coming out of his ears. So you can completely understand why he felt a little bit disappointed he wasn't able to get out amongst the people of uh, Christchurch and, and chirp them after. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then have like Jerry Collins in front of him while he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Do it behind Jerry. Yeah. But something something he mentioned, um, and I think that teams teams lose this now in the professional era. As he said, we loved hanging out uh, with each other, and that's exactly what Karifi said um, in a in an um, article when he was uh, he was interviewed about leading up to the final here, and he just said, you know, I'll read it um, quote for quote. We like to hang out with each other. We struggle to leave training after we're done for the day. We just want to stay around and hang out. And the best teams I've played with, it's not forced, it's like organic, like everyone just hangs out, whether it's having a beer, having a barbecue, having dinner together, um, you, you get along together outside of the sport. Yeah, and you see that in Canterbury, it seems, year in, year out with the way they play, how tight mm. they are. I, I think those sort of teams revealed themselves in the big games, the elimination games, the games with true jeopardy, yeah. which a final, a semi-final does have, and what, nine championships in 10 years, that is just the most extraordinary run, you know, the last title coming in 2017, ending that. Uh, Canterbury start as favourites um, uh, on the toad at least, and I can understand why. Um, mm. Well, if you can rely on someone outside of the park, then you can rely on them on the park, mm. I always used to think. And so that, those are those crucial moments. We spoke about the last, you know, the injury time, where it was the crucial time where the game could have just swung either way. And it's those moments, and you see it in cricket. It's a run out. It's a catch. It's... 
that you know the final over there's these clutch moments where it could the game could swing 50 50 and those are the moments that i think those teams that are closer off the park they'll always get them uh, and thank you, Kimberly, for clearing it up. Via <laughs> text on double eight double three, we mentioned Stu Wilson uh, playing the eighty one series, and then going to to play for Wellington the next day, and then rolling into work. And someone at work said to him, "What did you do over the weekend?" How was your week? Not much, not much. Mowed the lawns. It was Daphne in payroll that questioned Stu Wilson <laughs> on his weekend activities. That was a great story. I'm glad you remember, Kimberly. I'm glad you got a better memory than old Goldie here next to me, old Goldfish, and my equally uh, terrible short term memory. Uh, thank you so much. It's 10 minutes away from 12. Back after this. It is uh, four minutes away, sorry, six minutes away from 12 o'clock. What's coming up uh, later in the program? Uh, we've got some live racing for you, uh, starting off with um, action at uh, Rickerton. Uh, three minutes after 12, we'll cross for race number two there. But we've also got race number three from Rickerton at 25 to 1. It's a huge day in racing, Cox Plate Day. Oh. But a bumper show for the good oil after 1 o'clock. Do you have any good oil for the good oil? No, I just I, I want to find out from Clado what happened to Oppie Bossum. He's been suspended for six weeks. There was a you know a collision, and I don't know it was poor racing from his side. All right, so it was a Ryan side bottom Grant Elliott moment, was it? It was, I think. Yeah. yeah. So and and Oppie Bossum used to ride uh, the horse that I used to have a small share in, two and a half percent. I woke up. You high roller you? No, I woke up the one night, and all of a sudden I had a percentage of a horse. And I totally sort of remembered the night before. Kept it a secret. Did you imbibe too much and accidentally buy a, a stake in a racehorse? Yeah. Well, okay. There I is quite a story there. Caught up in the moment. We've only got 60 seconds before going to our final air break for the hour. But would you care to explain in 60 seconds how you went out one night, bought a stake in a racehorse and have no memory of doing so? Brendan McCullum took us to the Waikato stud with the England team. <laughs> and we went clay pigeon shooting and... We had a few beverages, and he took us around the, the stud farm, and you just get caught up in the moment. You think, wow, these animals are beautiful, amazing. And then all of a sudden, there was a share of a horse coming up, and I was like, yeah, I'll go in. And you know, someone else went in, and then I woke up, and I went, oh, uh, I think I might have a stake in a horse. And then it used to come out of uh, my account every month, and I got questioned on it. And uh, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, I told you about that. We, we own... A little stake in a horse. It's an investment. It's an investment. Cricketers, more dollars than cents. And kids, make sure you drink responsibly this weekend. <laughs> Look, you're getting a double head shake. Oh, the ben school Francis. teacher, Ben Francis, is poo-pooing you. I'm shaking my Passing head. shot did well. He yeah, actually made me money. Okay. Yeah. So, good investment because you drank too much. Yeah. Drink responsibly, children. Adults. Children, just don't drink. I was hoping for a Battle of the Bands, Wellington v Christchurch. As far as our music, maybe for this last hour, get Ben Francis uh, to do some research, Battle of the Bands, for um, little music interludes. Oh, who would take that? Well, I don't know. Wellington Cultural City. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what they've been uh, telling us for all these years. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, I'm not sure. Let's keep Wellington Maybe moving. Maybe the ever-knowing SCNZ audience can, can vote on that. Battle of the Bands, Wellington v Christchurch, go on. It's got to be Wellington. According to Grant Elliott, uh, sends your complaints to Grant Elliott here of uh, SCNZ. <laughs> uh, we're going to head down to Rickerton uh, for race number two. That's meeting number six. Good luck. Uh, it's due to jump in about uh, two minutes' time. Really interesting, a message from Peter um, on the back of my Mitis uh, Tires Workhorse of the Week or my non-nomination nomination. 
Cristiano Ronaldo uh, for his uh, petulant behaviour. Um, Peter writes, while I do agree that his behaviour is rather petulant, it also could be seen as industrial action. All an athlete has is his skills, which he has a right to withdraw. Sometimes if you're being treated badly, you can give the boss a finger. It was cynical. I would think that United would rather have him sitting on the bench than playing for another team. It's obvious that he doesn't fit the formations that they are playing. It's a really interesting perspective. I think I know where you're coming from. Sorry, but I just can't help but disagree. Uh, He's the highest paid player at the club. It's not as if he hasn't been given a chance either. He's played, I think, 38% of all minutes in the Premier League for Man United and has one goal to his name. He played 72 minutes in the previous game. He played over an hour in the game before that. He's just not good enough for them, right? Uh, I, I understand Peter's sentiment. I mean, listen, I'm not a f- uh, football um expert, but I would say that Ronaldo, one of his attributes when I looked at him was his pace. So obviously you lose a lot of pace um, as you get older, uh, whether that's the reason why. But I, I think it's more the cultural side of things. I've always believed the team is more important than the individual. And it's the sum of the, you know, everyone in the team that makes that team special. And he's obviously letting himself down by the sounds of things off the park. And when he should actually be a leader that actually takes that team forward, whether he's playing or not playing, doesn't matter. You should always have the attitude that, you know, the team is more important. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, visibly, he's annoyed. They so, won. They also, yeah, won. And, and you get your, I think it's an ego-driven thing. As a player, you, you feel like, oh, who am I to be uh, left out? I'm better than this. Uh, keep your messages rolling into double eight double three. Thanks, Peter. Really interesting uh, perspective you have there. Uh, they are almost all on the gate um, at uh, Rickerton. I think uh, we can cross to our commentary team. Uh, the first race here on a massive day of racing across Australasia. Of course, oh, no, riders off. Riders off on, on one. Is that a late scratching? Is that number six? No. They're going to get the horse in first. Rider will jump on after. So let's cross to our race team. Seven, eight, and three. At $31 for a win. $31.70 for a win in Vegas, number seven. Well, the owners um, might be going to Vegas this weekend. (laughs) I don't know. And comfortably as well. I had number eight and number four, but yeah. I went with the the double first name option of William John, who I don't know where that one finished. Might have been fifth. William John. You never trust someone with uh, two first names, do you, Grant Elliott? <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, so I'm told. So I'm told. I was going to be called Gerald. Gerald was going to be Gerald Elliot. Gerald. What do you think of that? Well, actually, let, let's bring in uh, Ben Francis. Jerry. Gerald Elliot. There's something regal to that. Is that His your lordship name? Gerald Elliot. No, middle That's... name's David. Three. I've got three first names. Gerald. David. Come on, finish the Elliot. But you said you got three. Yeah, David. That's a middle name. Yeah, middle. middle. Oh, my Lord. I see what you're saying. Yeah. you got three first names. Yeah. So you can't be trusted even more. <laughs> in fairness, most people with two first, you know, first oh. names, first and last, will have a first name in the middle, so they'll all have three. Ben Francis. Yeah. So we can't trust them. Ben Francis. We knew that already. Yeah. Yeah. can never trust someone with two first names. Isn't What's that your, right, Ben Francis? Your middle name, Ben Francis? That's it gonna, will be a first name. That, that's going to cost you money to find out. <laughs> Why, Ben Francis? Uh, I don't. I don't reveal personal information over the over the radio airwaves. Leopold, it's Leopold. 
this is a public forum you work on for money. Or part of it's sharing your story. Go to the break, guys. Go to the break. No? No, no I'm, I'm going to drill down a little bit deeper on this one. Is it Reginald? Sebastian? Sorry, Reginalds and Sebastians. Um, I, 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 no, it's not like I don't like your names. I like your names, but uh, maybe their names people are embarrassed by. I don't know. Um, let's move off this topic. What is coming up on the show? Well, we'll head back to Rickerton for race number three at 25 minutes to one o'clock. We'll catch up with Clado. It's a monster day of racing. I hope you enjoy all the coverage here on ECNZ. It's a monster day of live sport. We're going to have lots of racing. Um, the good oil after one, taking you through to, I think, 7.30. Then you'll hear from Granted and myself again as we hopefully bring you live coverage of the first day game for New Zealand at the T20 uh, World Cup, weather permitting, of course, our coverage with uh, Big Barrel, Big Range, Bigger Deals for that one. Uh, New Zealand up against the defending champions and host Australia due to start at uh, 8 o'clock uh, this evening. But the weather's looking a little bit dodgy. It is looking dodgy, which is, is really good for us because we get to tell stories for four hours, don't mm. we? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, we want to know, uh, as we have done uh, throughout the uh, course of the program, uh, our question to you, the listeners, uh, your favourite NPC final, we reflected in the last hour on the 2001. Uh, got one from an unnamed texter who, very short, um, just pointed out, uh, Otago 1998. Um, I'll add context to that. That's when Otago thumped Waikato 49 points to 20 at Carisbrook. I'm guessing they're an Otago fan because, you know, 29-point win doesn't sound like a particularly tight you know, full of, you know, twists and turns, which probably lends you to thinking is a great final, but oh, no. I'm sure that was a great night at the Brock winning 49-20. So maybe there is a story underneath. So maybe you want to text back and, you know, enlighten us other than, you know, just the fun and frivolity of on the, on the on, at the embankment, maybe? Well, they've called the Wellington 2000 NPC final as the final of the century. <laughs> well, that's a big call considering it was... Either the first year of first game, <laughs> first yeah, yeah. year of the century. Yeah, uh, a lot of ways. Uh, there's not a wrong answer here, but I'd love to hear uh, a little bit more context why that final uh, was so special to you. And uh, thanks to Wellington zero and eight record in finals since uh, forever the bridesmaid or always the buck, never the stag in sport. Uh, we've had some great nominations. Keep those coming through on double eight double three. We also hear grants. Um, Midas Ties, Workhorse of the Week, both the official nomination and the non-nomination uh, a little bit later as well. We will take a short break, though. Uh, we're going to pay some love uh, to the Heartland Championship. It's finals weekend there. Kevin here is going to join us, uh, the man who knows uh, everything uh, about the Heartland Championship. Not sure about his uh, predictions. Might have a bit of fun about his big call with Ricardo. it was, uh, prior to the season. But he's going to drill down and uh, join us after the break and uh, enlighten us on uh, the finals this weekend. Stay with us. Back after this, it's 11 after 12. Is that general applause for us? Oh, it's Freddie. Quarter past 12. This is the Saturday Sesh. He's Grant Elliott. I am Grant Elliott. Two first names. And that's Daniel McCarty. Can't trust him. <laughs> ben Francis. Two first names. Can't trust him. I'm surrounded, mate. I can't trust my team. Clive Lloyd. I think I could try. Are you going to say that to Clive Lloyd? No. Big man. Vivian Richards. Well, Richards isn't a first name. Richard is. So he... <laughs> well, no. So, no. No. What a No. Yeah. I did tell you Sir Viv was our, our team mentor for Quetta Gladiators. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm sure you've got wonderful stories there. We've got to get standing by. What a Keep man. your uh, nominations coming in for your favourite NPC final. Uh, Mike writes, uh, Waikato versus Otago, 1993. Uh, and he writes, Dick Pokai's famous moment. <laughs> um, 
I think it technically was 1992. No one likes to correct her. We love them on this program. Uh, that was the first ever uh, year that it went to finals. Waikato thumped them. Absolutely thumped them. But the big story was Richard Lowe eye-gouging Greg Cooper. So that's the Dick Pokai uh, reference. Richard Lowe uh, gouging and getting and you know, months gouge. and months worth of uh, suspension. That was a big story. Uh, keep those rolling in. Right now, we're going to focus in on the other provincial finals uh, this coming weekend. Utterly delighted to welcome back to the program. It's been uh, big presence on SCNZ over the last few months. We've appreciated his knowledge. Uh, you can uh, follow him and all his fine work at rugbyheartland.co.nz. Kevin here, the man, the legend, when it comes to all things uh, Heartland Championship. We haven't uh, paid enough love uh, to this competition 2021 due to um, you know demands with, the, with all these other events going on. Kevin, thanks so much for dropping by. Do we find you well? You find me very well. Uh, happy man today. Um, we've got a great game on this afternoon, and uh, and then the uh, entrees tonight, and then the main course tomorrow afternoon at Whakarua Park. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute uh, delicious one now, uh, for sure. Hey, um, we embarrass ourselves every week with our big predictions as far as the sporting weekend to come is concerned. <laughs> Uh, heading into the season, you had high hopes for West Coast. I do remember you uh, saying to Ricardo Ball, "How did the mighty coast go?" Which, of course, is Grant's favourite side because he's got a he's got a trip up yet to be confirmed with Nigel Yolden to John Sturgeon Park one day. Uh, how did the mighty coasters go? Yeah, zero eight. Um, and yeah, thank you, Ricardo. Um, he had me on last week about it. I thought that would be the last I'd hear of. You know, I'm going to no. hear about it forever. Um, but hey, let's just remember I did pick Thames Valley when they were paying eighty to one a couple of years back. So you know you got to take the wins and the losses. You um, did, but and... yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant stuff! Sorry, um, we, 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 yeah. no, that's right. We, we we are jerky on the show. We we do like to give it to each other. You know, there are knives, multiple knives in our back, and I must admit, I, I tend to stick most of them in. Uh, uh, Kevin, well, um, my nickname's Great Cuddles, to... by the way. <laughs> that was awesome. We loved cuddles earlier in the year. What a nickname that was. Yeah. Do you do you have a nickname, Kevin? Oh yeah, it's just Rabs. Rabbit. Rabs. Okay, Rabbit. Yeah, oh, okay. hair, obviously. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, so Kevin, we've uh, we've only got an hour forty six before kickoff. Is that correct? That's what I've got on my uh, my phone here. Yep. Two oh five. Kickoff down at Pleasant Point. Yeah. So is there is there quite a noticeable difference between the build up to games with you know MPC and Super um, Super Rugby compared to Heartland Championship? Do they have the same sort of warm ups and um, same professionalism going into the game? Oh, totally. I mean, if you take um, you know uh, East Coast for example, you know uh, they they had to get down to live in last weekend and no accommodation, so they all just pitched the tent at the bottom of the. Uh, and spent the night in the bush. So, you know, there's so many um, comparisons of the Super Rugby boys. It's unbelievable. Uh, oh, it's, it's like looking in a mirror. It's, it's like looking in a mirror, Grant. Imagine you little cricketers. Have, how much complaining would you have done if you couldn't get accommodation and had to pitch a tent? I'm just trying to think. I think one of the, the, the scariest moments was probably getting into a military plane with no windows uh, in Sri Lanka. And thinking this could be the last flight I'm on, but uh, yeah, I've never pitched a tent outside the ground uh, just before playoff, so that is well, interesting. I but I mean, that's what we love about the Heartland Championship is the stories we hear outside of the the, the game. 
Oh, totally. And I mean, you know, and and, and when you look at um, the games today, you know, we've got the game, uh, the Meads Cup and at Pleasant Point, you know. Um, I mean, wasn't it only a month ago that you guys ran a competition to uh, have a field to be upgraded because it was in yes. poor condition? And uh, didn't Pleasant Point win that competition? So, um, yeah, so basically we're playing the Meads Cup final on apparently the worst ground in the country. So that's an interesting one as well. So uh, luckily SENZ got in and uh, helped them uh, sort it out. But um, yeah, so no, I mean, this afternoon's game, it's a, it's a humdinger. I mean, you know, um, sure South Canterbury have been the juggernaut, but you know, you look at Whanganui and, and, and they're just as big. And uh, South Canterbury have only won by a few points in the in recent games against Whanganui. So yeah, um, some of these odds you've seen at the TAB are just you know nine to one for seven and under for Wong and It's just crazy money. Yeah, that that is crazy, and uh, that might get a mention later on this program. Um, so let's talk more about this final. At uh, I think uh, it should be known uh, up until SCNZ, um, you know, gives it a facelift. The soon-to-be Pleasant Point Rugby Club. Uh, that, that's far more fitting. South Canterbury, Wong and we're glad that they've made it through the semi-finals with all due respects to my Swampies and I've gone completely blank on the other semi-finals. But these clearly were the two best sides. Only one loss between them and of course that came in the game between uh, each other in Wanganui where it was South Canterbury winning by just six points. So it's always nice when the best teams make it to this game, isn't it? Oh, true. And this should have been the grand final last year, um, but due to COVID and no semi-finals, you know, um, Wanganui um, missed out on a semi-final place, so they had to take the uh, second prize of the Lahore Cup. But, you know, you look at these two teams, and um, going into the into today, uh, South Canterbury have um, got the new record of 444 points, breaking Wanganui's 440 back in 2016. And um, they're on 64 tries, breaking Wanganui's 63 uh, back in 2008. And now they're only a couple of conversions behind from breaking Wanganui's uh, record in 2008 of 45. So, um, yeah, so there's records galore between both teams. They're the two, you know, outstanding Heartland teams in the championship um, by far. And, uh, yeah, this final would have been picked two years ago. Easy. South, so South, yeah, South Canterbury, I think, have cracked the half century in four of their last five games and gone over 70 in a couple of them. So who's been the star men with regard to their attack? Well, it's, it's totally Sam Briggs. I mean, he's he's only played the eight games, but he's been knocking them over right, left and centre um, over for a, a competition record of 35 uh, conversions. But, um, you know, you've got uh, Calavini Lataga, he's on eight tries. Uh, you've got uh, Luawi Samalti, he's on eight tries. You've got Sui Kalala, uh, he's on eight tries. So, you know, across the board. But, you know, throwing in there, you've got Semi Vodasiti from Wanganui. And apologies if I'm getting their names incorrect. Uh, Alex Co uh, Vagaroka from Wanganui, he's on eight tries. So th- there's firepower in both teams. I mean, mm. at the moment, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, so, yeah, but then, you know, you look at Sam Briggs and Ethan Robinson from Wanganui. You know, between them, they've scored over 200 points. Some teams were lucky to get 200 points this year. And just these two guys alone have kicked, you know, 65 penalties and 20, uh, sorry, 65 conversions and 20 penalties. So this is why this game is going to be a humdinger. 200 points each. 
individually? No. And no, what, between the two of them. Oh, between the two of them. Sorry. God, my my head nearly exploded at that. Thank you for clearing that up. (laughs) Thank you for clearing that up. Kevin, um, there was obviously, as Daniel said, six points between them in the pool stages. Now, what are Wanganui going to have to do to... to, It sounds like South Canterbury are clearly the dominant team, but there was only those six points. So what are they going to have to do to to get over the line um, today? Well, basically, instead of uh, what we saw last week against Tenzelli, they, they were, you know, running it up through the middle. But, you know, they've, they've got to just set that platform and get it out to these guys on the wings. Um, you know, um, basically, it's, it's a case scenario of, you know, just keeping playing sensible rugby, keeping it tight. And when they're doing for the kicks, kick it deep. Because, you know, um, the defence of Wanganui is OK. And, um, if, and if uh, they want... Um, South Canterbury to come forward, well, they, they'll be able to hold them. And um, I, I just believe if they can keep it tight and then flick it wide, then Wanganui can get up over South Canterbury today. All right. Okay. So let's talk about uh, tomorrow's game as he hurriedly tries oh. to bring up his uh, scream. Oh, oh, listen to him. He's getting. Oh, you get, what, you've got butterflies. <laughs> what, a little, little flutter in the heart. Is it Kevin? No, I'm just so looking forward to this. 3,468 days since the greatest final in any code in New Zealand. Uh, 2012, East Coast were playing Wanganui at Whakarua Park in front of about 5,000 fans. They were losing 20 points to three, and they came back to snap the title by 29 points to 27. What a great era. Eight years go by, they win two games. And now Jose Gears come in, and uh, they could have made a semi-final last year if we had semi-finals. This year they had the semi-final, they had the chance, and results went their way. They've flung open the gates at Fakarua Park. Uh, the record is, I think, 6,000-plus back in 2001 against Nelson Bays. Um, there's going to be every man, dog, and horse at that game tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. It's going to be a, a, a an event to watch at 1.05 due to logistics. They've brought the game forward yep. an hour uh, because of mid-Canterbury. Yeah. Right, okay. But, Gee, yeah. there's a whole, whole lot to, to unpack there. If we're still doing Legends segment uh, come finals weekend next year, we might have to actually dig a little bit deeper into that final uh, on uh, the balance of what uh, Kevin's had to say there. Lots of passion. But that's extraordinary. So since that last final... How, how many games did you say they'd won prior to this season? Is, was it only two? Uh, well, um, last year they broke their 55-game losing streak. That's right. Um, and so I was, it was 55 and games. I was at that game, yeah, at the centenary at Queen's birthday. Uh, but between them winning the Meads Cup and that game, they'd only won two first-class games. They've won a couple of non-first-class, but only two first-class games. And um, they were both against Poverty Bay, from memory. And um, and then uh, Jose came in and they started, you know, rebuilding and uh, they picked up three wins and this year is their best season since 2012 uh, for wins. So um, it, it's great. I mean, if we look back at that game, the guy that scored the winning try was Verdon Bartlett and I believe he will be in the team uh, tomorrow afternoon. So how about that for a fairy tale? If he turns around and scores a winning try tomorrow afternoon... Uh, 10 years almost to the day of him scoring that famous try against Wanganui. Well, we hope that's the case because he'll be the guy we speak to in 12 months' time, won't he, uh, Grant? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would think. But, but this is a toss of a coin game, isn't it? 
that this could really go either way. There's probably not as firm a favourite in this game. Is that fair as we wrap this up? Um, well, no, I, I would definitely lean towards East Coast to take it out, only because we had 350 <laughs> people in that pre-season, uh, during the regular season when East Coast got up 36-34 in Ashburton. There was only 350 people there. Uh, tomorrow, the crowd alone is going to be worth at least 10 or 15 points to the Heartland boys. They, they are going to be playing for the Iwi, yeah. playing for the Nardi, you know, and, and the passion is going to be immense. And uh, I think, um, I mean, one of the uh, guys for uh, Mid-Canterbury, uh, Mason Bryant, I know him personally, uh, a young American guy, played for New Orleans Golds, played for Buller, and now he's going to be probably playing in his biggest game of his career, uh, more than even Major League Rugby. Oh, Kevin, uh, thank you, you so much. Uh, I can hear the passion in your voice. Is love there it, anything exciting you're doing just to lead up to this game? Well, drinking uh, sorry, water, I, I would think, Kevin. What, what are you doing uh, no, that's no, really no. exciting leading up to this game? Uh, leading up to this game, I'm sitting back, and I had the privilege of having the Ramfordy Shield last week, so I uh, got the still out, and oh. I made a, a special batch of Ramfordy gin, and I am um, going to be having that with a few uh, Ramfordy bourbons. Sounds oh, lethal. magnificent. Well, hopefully you've got a better constitution than Elliot, because it sounds like tomorrow morning you could wake up having bought a steak and a horse at this rate. Might have a share in a horse tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Kevin, thank and, you, mate. Uh, Enjoy and, it. Yeah. Really do appreciate the knowledge. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Kevin here joining us, as he has done throughout the season uh, across a number of shows on SCNZ. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Kevin. Um, and you can follow his uh, stellar work uh, throughout the Heartland Championship seasons, uh, rugbyheartland.co.nz. Fizz for those games now. You could hear the passion. I thought that, you know, the first game we were talking about, um, you know, the Meads final, I thought that that was the big one. But he really fired up. Oh, it's a really cool storyline hearing him outline it. Uh, What's happening at Nazi Pro East Coast. It's back on half past 12. We'll take a break on the other side. uh, Live racing from Rickerton. All right, quite a delay as they struggle to get in, I think, number uh, 12 into the gate. Uh, We'll cross uh, back. Uh, as soon as we possibly can with the, the rest of the uh, the races um, ready to go. Looks like it's stuck under the gate. Is it? That, uh, I don't know. They're trying to get a, some horse off the, the racetrack mm. here, and I'm not too sure what's going on. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, hopefully we'll cross just for the jump. If they, if they do jump, we'll go straight there. Uh, so uh, interesting, if not slightly troubling scenes there uh, at Rickerton Park for race number three. All right, Grant. Uh, we're running out of time. I really want to get to your nominations for our Midas Tyres, our workhorse of the week in association with Midas Tyres, of course, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. European uh, quality. Doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agri Tyres for your equipment. I want to know who has been your workhorse of the week, who's been working tires, tirelessly to entertain you, Grant? Well, it might be number 12 in this race. I don't know. <laughs> working really tirelessly to get off the floor. Um, my... My workhorse uh, of, of the week uh, has to be Netherlands cricket. You and I have both played in the Netherlands. Yeah, you were quite and, good at the sport, though. And, and we, Yeah, but you played as a professional in uh, the Netherlands leagues. Still yet to hear the stories about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, Netherlands cricket, how is it possible that they make it into the, the top 12 nations in the world? Who will know? Um, we both uh, have quite an affinity with the Dutch and also their ability to choke in situations where you never think they could lose in club cricket. We need, you know, 13 runs to win 
uh, with five wickets in hand and somehow that we'd end up losing five wickets. There'd be run outs and just the pressure that would get to them. So, so we, we were talking about always the bridesmaid. Yeah. One of the teams I would have nominated for that is the Dutch footballing side. Oh, yes. So much talent. Can never get over the line, especially at world tournaments. Uh, less so, what, Champions of Europe in 88, but that's about it. With all the talent they, they've had, they, they've always find, find ways to conspire yeah, well, and lose. And, and the Dutch team has found a way, way to win. They beat the UAE. Um, they then went on to beat Namibia. Namibia, actually, really strong team. I thought that they were going to um, actually trounce them, but then lost to Sri Lanka in the last one, but it was fine. They got through. So my non-nomination, who I should have started with, has to be West Indies cricket. West Indies lost to Ireland in their first game. Um, sorry, in, the, in, in their final game. They, um, they managed to beat West Indies, which was their only win. And then um, they lost to Scotland. They were bowled out for 118 against Scotland. So the the rich heritage and just the, the class of West Indies cricket, and we said it before, there'll be players like Suvivian Richards, Clive Lloyd, um, the likes of Brian Lara, uh, Kirtley Ambrose, who oh, he, was... He won't take it well. No, they're not going to take... And Ian Bishop. I've never seen a grumpier West Indies supporter when they're doing badly as Ian Bishop, and he follows them around the world commentating for that team. He gets really fired up when they lose, so... Um, that would be my non-nomination, and I know that it's a real surprise to world cricket that they haven't made the top 12. Remember the name, the West Indies, because that's all they might be in the future, just a name. I hope Will they not. be eating at the top table regularly, or are, are you concerned that this is just well, you, a sign of where they are going? Well, you mentioned it off air. You said, well, how is it that they, you know, they've got such good players, but all their good players play in the IPL. They don't play for the West Indies. Yeah, so, who, who's to blame for that? And I don't know. And maybe, you know, I should do my own research, really. But when you've got all those players, why, why can't they come back for big tournaments? I think that they maybe, um, I know that they did have a rule under uh, one of the CEOs, which was if you don't play in the domestic competitions, you're not eligible to play for the West Indies. So that's not the Caribbean League. That's actually their domestic um, competitions. Does that get uh, chucked out the window now? Well, I, I think that you have to potentially just consider any West Indian player that's playing in uh, these world tournaments because they've got such talent. They've got Sunil Nareen. They've got Kieran Pollard. They've got Dwayne Bravo, um, you know, just to name name a few of the, the players. Um, someone like Johnson Charles was playing now who's recalled and he hasn't been recalled uh, into the team for a while now. So, um, yeah, just disappointing to see a decline in their, their team. The thoughts of Grant Elliott, his uh, work also the week in association with uh, Midas Tyres. Uh, Midas Agri Tyres, the choice of leading manufacturers. Midas Agri Tyres, European quality, quality made affordable. Uh, that race at Rickerton has um, jumped into life. It has uh, just finished, I think it was number 11, Goldie's Chance, winning by only six lengths ahead of number six and number two. It's a monster day um, of racing. Um, Clado and crew are ready for an extended show. Clado is with us. Have you hydrated? Are you well fed? Are you ready to rock and roll for seven? Was it six and a half hours today? Six and a half hours leading into you guys this afternoon. So we'll be hanging around and listening to your commentary on the cricket. Boy, what a day of racing. Cox Plate Day today and Manicato Stakes transferred from last night. I don't know if you saw any pictures from Mooney Valley last night. Thunder and lightning uh, scenes. Horses uh, had a couple of goes of getting out on the track for the Group 1 and... 
they had to turn them back and bring them back in. It was scary times. Hey, Clado, I want to ask you a question. I read, the, I read that Oppie Bossum was in a bit of strife. He's suspended for six weeks. Yes, yes. On the, he picked up a suspension during the week of about a week, and then last Saturday we might have saw times ticking, and just right on the post, some terrible interference, and four jockeys ended up on the track. So Opie copped a decent uh, holiday for that, and a thousand dollar fine as well. But it wasn't pretty. Ryan side bottomed. Hey. <laughs> side bottom nailed you to the ground, Grant. W- w- did the other uh, did the other jockeys get up off the ground and then just start a brawl with opposite? <laughs> was there a all on fisty cuffs? What goes on in the jockeys' room stays in the jockeys' room. But look, <laughs> look, Opie, I tell you what, I pay good money to hear those high pitched individuals having a scrap. Oh, those little, those little banter mates. Little banter, the, 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 mate. Yeah, you pour a couple the, the of uh, live reads into them and then watch them go, mate. It's like a little wind-up <laughs> toy. <laughs> Get them late on Saturday night. And, yeah, they all rate themselves, but uh, they fight each other. Like, or rather, they fight themselves <laughs> instead of me. But, yeah, look, Opie would have felt bloody terrible about it, and it wasn't pretty, but, um, yeah, he's going to pay the price for that because, you know, there's plenty of big racing coming up. Yeah, always negative, Grant, is, isn't he? Oh, uh, no. As far as as far as the, the rundown, who's who's alongside you today on this very big day? We've dragged in uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, he did the mail run this morning, and he's still bouncing around, so I thought, oh, we might as well rope him in. And Steve McKee, who, in fact, two, trained two Cox Plate wins with a mighty mare from down under Sunline back in the early 2000s, 99-2000. So Brilliant. I, 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 dare, I dare say uh, stick out over tear in his eye come 7.10pm tonight when they're going out for the Cox Plate because you always go back to those days, whether you like it or not. Uh, we promise um, that the good oil will have the great oil for you. We promise we won't touch any horse racing in our punts on the other side of the break. Clado, have a great show. and uh, Good luck to all the punters out there on this huge day. Thanks so Thanks, much. Clado. Thanks, guys. It is uh, 14 away from 1 o'clock. The sporting punts you need to run a mile from. I know you're lining up a horse race, Grant, so it better be good back after this. 10 away from 1. You've got philosophical in that, uh, that ad break. Let's get back to the job at hand. Final act of the show is to tell you the sporting punts you should probably run a mile from. Alrighty. We're, who wants to start? Who's excited? Who wants to put their hand up? Oh, I went with the heart last week. You I did go you with the heart? I, I think I was one heart. from two of my bets. I, I told you the Silver Ferns would... Go down. I went with the heart, and I remember I went with Everton. Actually, I got that wrong. Silver Ferns won game number two. They lost game number three, so I was 0 from 2 now. Oh, there we go. I said that Everton uh, would, would win 1-0. Would win 1-0. They lost 2-0, didn't they? And they lost 2-0 to Well, you're only Oscar. three goals off, I guess. And uh, Harry Kane scored a goal there, so I was I was out of the mix. But this, so you're, this going, week, you're not going to go down the footballing path. I'm not going to go down the footballing path. I always go down the path of a multi, and I'm not going to do that either. What? This is an. This must be strange one. for you, Grant. You've actually had to think. This is a really difficult one. This one. Um. So someone asked me. Uh, they texted in and they said, "Oh, name some some plays some for futures for the team yeah, we World Cup." So someone asked me about, you know, who's going to reach the finals. I said it was going to be England and India. That's $6. That's not risky enough for me. What I wanted to go England, for, Pakistan, 10 bucks. Ooh. No, you're not going down that path? No, I'm not going down that path. What I'm going for is I'm going to go for the top tournament wicket taker. And I'm going to say that he's just come off ice. Shaheen Shah Afridi is at $26. 26 uh, bucks to our listeners will sound outrageous for a player of that uh, it, quality. It would. But the problem is but, that, that they're saying here is a but. that all of the uh, associate nations 
they're adding those wickets in in the pre-tournament. So they've had three games. So someone like Buster Laders at $11. He's got seven wickets at the moment. Good name, Buster. He Lader. might not get many more wickets Buster for the rest Lader. of the tournament. So I think Shane Shafridi... What can make up seven wickets? Yes, because they might make the semis. They might make the finals. Nice. So at $26, I think that that's not a bad bet. When you compare that to what Mitchell Starks, 21, Mark Woods, 21, Josh Hazelwood, who's become a very good exponent in the T20. When he's 21. I think Zampa is... That's not a bad 20, one. At 21 at bucks. 21. Yeah, so uh, Jaheen Shah, Afridi at $26. Most wickets of the tournament. He spots the qualifying team. And they contend to seven wickets. Yeah, behind. Any other? Any others? That's your future. Uh, well, Trent Bolt was at $26 as well. So if you think, um, you know, they're going to make the, the final. I guess that's why Stark's at 21, because they think Aussie will make the final. And someone like, um, you know, Cajiso Rabada is at 23. So there's some nice bets there. All right, I'm going to look at our provincial finals today in uh, the sphere of rugby. I'm going to go one with the heart, one with the head, and one with um, connecting dots, historical data points over time. How's that? How's that? Uh, the one with my heart, after Kevin Hare's emotional speech about his excitement for the East Coast mid-Canterbury game, I'm going to go East Coast to win head to head, paying a dollar ninety. It's evens at the tote at the TAB. It's evens, dollar ninety uh, either side. The one I'm more confident about, I actually think South Canterbury will beat Wanganui, but it's going to be tight. I I, I think the one to twelve bracket paying three dollars ten is too good to pass up. Mm. Three dollars ten South Canterbury to win uh, the Meads Cup, uh, twelve and under against uh, Wanganui. Um, and having looked at the history of the MPC finals, there's so much uh, in favour of Wellington. It's 22 years almost to the day. They thumped uh, Auckland in the semi-final like they did 22 years ago. They've won nine in a, game, in a row. But I, I'm emotionally scarred um, from all these years of Wellington heartbreak. I think Wellington start the better and lead at half-time. I think Canterbury, with that really strong bench, come home. And actually, after 80 minutes, by my count, would it... Would it be the first final to go to extra time if it's a draw at the end of the game? Mm. I, I can't remember any final having gone to extra time. Please correct me if I'm wrong. You've only got 50 seconds to do so. So I'm going to go to the draw. The draw after 80 minutes. The draw? Well... That's paying 31 bucks, baby! Woohoo! That's better than my Shane Shah Freddy 26 31 bucks. Wellington to lead at halftime and a draw after 80 minutes. I won't tell you what happens in extra time, but it's not good for Wellington. Um, ben Francis. I'll be really quick, guys. I'm going for the Canterbury trifecta in rugby this weekend. So I'm going yep. for Whanganui, East Coast, and Wellington. $26. So you're going the anti-Canterbury. Yeah, the, I'm going for the Canterbury was, trifecta, the Canterbury losing trifecta. Uh, interesting. I was about to say to you, if you actually went the other way around, you'd be hosting the show uh, by yourself next week because uh, Grant and I will not be turning up. <laughs> that the case. I like that trifecta, Ben Francis. Great work as always, Ben. Thanks so much to everyone who's played a part in the program and your calls and texts. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks to all the listeners and those texts. That, and thank you to the hosts, Daniel McCarty. Always good. Still a nice day in the Riviera of the South Pacific. You know what that weekend. means?